totally natural thing and it, it's like very, very healthy. Day and welcome. This is the Hunting Republic podcast. The podcast where we discuss all things hunting and outdoors. So if you love hunting, camping, fishing, hiking, bushwalking, full driving, or just being in the outdoors, then we reckon you've come to the right place. My name is Luke. I will be your host and I can't wait to have you along for the journey. So please enjoy this edition of the Hunting Republic podcast. G'day everybody and welcome. Well, here we are, the very first episode of the Hunting Republic podcast. Before we get stuck in, wanted to give a little bit of an intro to this podcast and a little bit of an intro to this episode. So this episode, I decided or thought would be a great idea to record whilst we're out on a hunt. What better way to start a podcast about hunting and the outdoors than when you're in the hunting, when you're in the outdoors and you're hunting. I was joined on this hunt by a very long-term friend of mine, uh, Barry. I've known Barry for probably 20 years, and uh, we have a very interesting backstory, which we go into a little bit in the episode. Uh, We also had uh, Barry's employee, actually, along with us, uh, his mate, Dave, uh, who's, uh, as you'll find out, is a, a, a young fellow and quite new to hunting. So it was a really interesting time. Uh, we decided we'd uh, record the episode uh, on, uh, on one of the nights while we were hunting, and um, we just shot the breeze for a while, and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. So this is the first episode. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope uh, maybe maybe you'll learn something, or maybe you'll, you'll be able to, um, to get something out of it. We, uh, we are very passionate about what we do, very passionate about the outdoors and hunting, and, uh, and we hope you guys get some value and, uh, and some enjoyment out of listening to, uh, to our conversation. So without further ado, uh, let's get stuck in. Please enjoy this very first episode. Well, welcome to the podcast, Barry. Thank you, Lou. And, uh, and Dave. Thank you. So we're kicking off the podcast. First first episode today of the Hunting Republic podcast. And I thought, what better way to do it than while we're out hunting? So we've been here for four days. Yep. Came Sunday. What's today? Wednesday? It is. Wednesday night. And um, we, um, we've had a good time. We've seen some pigs. We've hiked a lot of miles. And... Um, yeah, we thought we'd just sit around, shoot the breeze, and um, put together an episode. Sounds good. So, um, welcoming, yeah, my first guests, uh, Barry and Dave. So, Barry, tell me a bit about yourself. Tell the listeners, the uh, the public, what they want to hear. Um, so, 20 years ago, I got into hunting, met this crazy guy named Luke, who I'm sitting next to now. Um... So background for me was kind of brought up in the city. You know, went to a private school, got into business, um, you know, spent my life in business circles. Most of what I do is talking to people and getting paid to do that. And so I didn't really get a chance to experience the the outdoors and the bush and just walking around it. And 
when I did, it just uh, definitely changed my life. It gives you a totally different outlook. Uh, I can't understate the importance in in my life of having a chance to do that. And uh, credit to our host today because, uh, as I said, met Luke online. It started this boat hunting forum back in the day, almost 20 years ago. Pre-social media? Yeah, pretty much pre-social media. It was before Facebook. <clears throat> what did we work at the other day? 2004. Yeah. 2004, you logged yeah. on to the Boat Hunters Group of Australia forums. Yeah. And, um, no, I have to have to credit you, Luke. It was great. You were very... I had no idea. I'd, I'd never stalked through bush. I'd you know, never been to a property bigger than a thousand, you know, thousand square meters. Um, square meters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like that, that was the gist of it, you know, back, back, backyard. Yep. Um, and it was only it was only a couple of months before you invited me to come on this on a hunt, my first time. It was a good trip too. It was fantastic. It was an epic hunt that one. Uh, my first day, managed to whack a couple of goats while I was walking first around. First day, first hunt. Yeah, it was Just... first day, first hunt. Yeah, and that uh, was with another mate of another mate of ours at the same time. So he and I kind of went off. Well, he on... hadn't shot anything either. No, he hadn't no, either. He hadn't so we're both, we're both super green. Yeah. And he's a super experienced. So we travelled down to Wellington in Dobbo. Yeah. It was, a, it was an epic trip. You guys left from Brisbane. I left from Mara. Uh, where we are actually yeah. tonight, and we've been for the, for half the week we're here, um, and um, yeah, so it was it was an epic trip. We went to all the way down to Wellington, and um, yeah, hosted on a property down there, which is an absolute cracking property. That was beautiful. It had deer and goats and foxes and pigs and you name it. It had it. It was it was awesome. Yeah, and you blokes. I think you went out together on your own, didn't you? Two yeah, we did. I'm surprised you didn't get lost. So. <laughs> So, oh no, we got pointed to this plateau where apparently the goats go sometimes, um, and they certainly did. Uh, and uh, Adam Greentree was on that trip as well, mm -hmm. so that was my first exposure to Adam the mad, mad man, crazy hunter. The mad man. I just watched that guy in the bushes, you know. But uh, yeah, he was the one that pointed us where to go and told us what what to do for that bit. And, it just worked exactly as he said it would. Yep. The goats were exactly where he said they would be. Uh, and that was when I was at a target. Because <laughs> I've been into archery all my life. That was the one thing that I had got to do. Yeah, I remember you coming on the forums and asking all these weird questions as a target archery never hunted before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no, like I've got to help this bloke. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and you did. And you absolutely did. Um, so I had my target bow with everything stripped off it and, uh, you know, Material, camo material wrapped around yeah, it because it was fucking a shiny, shiny thing, and I was just shooting off the fingers. Um, but yeah, that but was, it worked. It absolutely worked, and that was kind of the start of it. You had a young nanny, the first, your first goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kim got that nice belly, didn't he? That he red did. one. Yeah, absolutely did. Uh, that was an awesome trip. So we've got also got Dave here. So so the the full circle story is a little bit interesting here because <clears throat> Barry's been hunting for a long time now and been been quite successful in various trips and things we've been on up the Cape and knocked a bunch of pigs and over to Nimea to hunt the rooster and stuff like that. Whereas young Dave here uh, got his first experience actually stalking things. So I, I call Dave the accountant because he's um, he's very much into his, his rifles. He doesn't own a, Well, he owns a bow, apparently. I haven't seen it. But um, 
he's very very switched on with with firearms and very knowledgeable he used to used to work in the industry even and um hasn't actually stalked anything before so uh, done a lot of shooting and and done a lot of feral pest control um talking about um knocking things off to to help cull numbers and things like that but as far as actually stalking and hunting is concerned is a little bit different so we rocked up to this property on uh, late oh, mid sunday afternoon went for a walk on the on the late afternoon and <clears throat> into the lakina paddock and dave got into the thick of it amongst a bunch of pigs and uh, tell us how that went dave oh look you know <laughs> <laughs> i uh yeah got a little bit excited and uh this bush looked at me funny a bush yeah. and yes. uh yeah, look, yeah, clump of grass, wasn't it? Right, yeah. right on yeah. really, it was, it was quite dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's let's end it. Yeah, it, was, it was getting it was getting pretty dark. It was getting dark, yeah. and we'd just seen a whole pile of pigs. They had been all around us, literally. So yes, that was yeah. that wasn't a pig. No, it, but it copped some heavies like it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the very first afternoon. So he managed to uh, put in the good groundwork for us to give you a little bit of stick for the yeah, trip, which is always. It's always good when someone does that and it's not you. That's right. Nothing like yeah. now, a cop, a bit of curry. Yeah. So, so we, we, we moved into this paddock, into the Lakina, which is um, under a center pivot. So it's all in the, the circular rows for people who aren't familiar with that. And um, moving through and we've gone into this mob. And I had a shot with my new 223. And uh, quite happily, you know, I, I can share that I shot over the back of this pig. But they, they didn't spook off, which is really cool. And um, they couldn't wind us, and they, were, they had no idea really what was going on. So we, we got to follow up a bit further, and and Dave got to experience what it was like, you know, being in amongst and around things, uh, sort of in close quarters. So I think it was pretty cool. It was a really good way to start the trip, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, definitely a different flavour to what I'm used to. Used to be out of Gundy, where everything's flat and everything's you know open, and you know you mm. sort of. You walk around once you get to a clump of bushes, but the clump of bushes is, you know, size of a tennis court, mm-hmm. and we'll walk through that, see if there's anything in there, no, nothing in there, back on the, back on the vehicle. Yeah. So definitely a different type of hunting, but and, and what's fun. what's your background, Dave, as far as you know, hunting and outdoors and that Yeah. So, Dad grew up in Gundy, and mm-hmm. and so I was, and then his parents were out there for while I was growing up, and so I was out there on quite a lot of the school holidays and. You know, and then uni holidays out there, you know, lending them a hand and, and doing some cattle work. And then, windy. Yeah, yep. yeah, doing some cattle work and then hunting when you get a chance. And, and yeah, so, you know, sort of more, like you said, the felt pest control type. Of and when did you get into um, your shooting the firearms? Because, like, you, you're, you're a rifle guy, you're a gun yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. So when did you get into that? Uh, sort of probably about 10, when, you know, with Dad, like, just, yep. you know. And, like, as soon as you could, you got your soon license. As soon as I could, and... yep. Yeah, got so you definitely the accountant, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he is. He obsesses over his gear. It's like, the, you know, what combination? Yeah, yeah. And then, How, having said that, though, like you know, <clears throat> we spent the morning yesterday um, down right down the back of the paddock where it's very flat and and um, and leveled off, shooting at, at targets to sight in some rifles and and the, you know Dave's ability to, to put some pills into a very tight groove is impressive. So. Yeah, yeah, we just chucked him. We just chucked him a whole pile of guns. Well, I did anyway. Yeah. That, for 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 the listeners, Dave works for me. So uh, so he got to claim to all of his mates that uh, this week he's 
his, his work was coming on this hunting trip, which, uh, which is true because he didn't have to take holiday pay and he was technically getting paid for being here. So um, all I know is that's the kind of job I would have liked to have had. So I'm, yeah. happy, so I'm happy passing, you know, passing that along to Dave as well. Yeah, I appreciate you, mate. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we've been, we call him Wizard at uh, that because we bought a lot of guns. I've never really been into firearms, only been in the last couple of years. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny because Luke and I... The two of us, the same, yeah. Parallel at the same time, branch, branched out. You know, been dead keen into the archery and bow hunting that whole time. I was still saying I'm a bow hunter. Like, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say bow hunting is first and foremost, yeah. Um, but, yeah... I just, he sighted in a whole lot of guns for us in, in that time and just ama- amazing at it. Um, but he did get to go through a whole lot of gullies and sneak up on water holes and stuff like that where you've got no visibility until you get up on it. Yeah. So very, very different style of hunting. So how, so how have you found that? Like, how have you found the difference? It's been good. It's, been, it's a lot more... Um... Like it's a lot more well earned when you find something yeah. like like that. It's not just oh we'll scare something and chase it until it gets tired. It's definitely like you feel like you earned it more. Like it's, those pigs we saw the other day. It's like well, if I had my if I had my rifle with me, they were done. You know, like so. It was definitely oh, the one those back in that water hole. Yeah, yeah, with your bows. Yeah, yeah they were bows. about what a hundred odd. So what did you have with you? The shotgun. Had the shotgun. Yeah. So, so they were how you ranged them? How far? Uh, yeah, it was 95, like 95. 95. So, you know, outside bow range, of what we consider our own personal limits of bow range, and absolutely and certainly outside shotgun range. Yeah. So, you know, and, and as it turned out with that stalk, you know, Dave, I suppose you got to see that, you know, like we were saying, you know, with a rifle, you know, if you're shooting that 308 that you've no. got, they were, they were dead on the spot, yeah. but um, different tool, you know, and it, um, as it turned out, they, um, the wind. Wind did its fickle yeah. thing, which it does seems to have done here, and particularly this week, it seems to have sucked back and forwards all the time. But they got got wind of this and they disappeared into the scrub. But I don't know, I like that. You really, it's like you said, you do have to work for it. Yeah, you know? like you have to be tactical. You have to think through which way you're going. Hundred percent. You have to pay attention to your noise. You have to pay attention to your scent. You most definitely have to pay attention to the wind, mm. your movement when you get close to them. Um, there's definitely. Definitely something magical about that. Yeah, definitely a m- much more, like, there's more physicality to it as well. Like, you know, up and down the hill, like, the, you know, and... Oh, yeah, you put in some miles. Yeah, you, rather you than... It, it, it definitely feels more earned than right. we'll just cruise there on our quad and... and or our ute and cool, there they are. It's definitely and I mean, it's a, bit, it's a little bit well, different in this in this case, in at this property, for a sense, because, you know, I've been here a number of times and, and I brought you guys out here to have a hunt. So I, I guess in a way I was, I was the guide, you know, and, and I knew the lie of the land and um, <clears throat> I was able to sort of, I will go here, we'll go there, the you know, wind's doing this, so we'll circle around there, we'll come to this water hole from that direction, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, in a way, I suppose for the most part, you guys are sort of along with me yeah. and I'm like, well, we're coming on this hole and you go this way, you go this way or, or whatever. Um, and, and, and in time when, when you get to, to do that for yourself, the, the mental aspect of it is also really Absolutely. intriguing. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it can be, it's funny, it's funny. Like you come out to the bush and, you know, it's just, it's just 
I don't like using the word zen, but it's just, it's, I love being in the bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's an important thing to talk about. That's the bit that changed my life. Like, if you had have got me into rifles early and then I was just shooting things off the back of a ute, sure, you know, maybe there's something to that, but that's not the bit that really changed my life. Give getting an appreciation for, for being out in the bush and the yeah. experience and, so, you know, I've done a lot, of, a lot of stressful work in my life and, you know, worked on big deals for clients and all kinds of things. Um, but all I've got to do is just get out back to the bush and uh, it's like a reset. I think there's a lot of... I always... And this afternoon I went for a solo hunt the boys, maybe having a bit of an extended nap. But, you know, I always appreciate stopping and just breathing in. Mm, oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, just pausing for that moment. And, you know, we, we had the opportunities at different points today because we did a big walk this morning. And, you know, I like to pull up at those water holes and sit on that log and just watch and wait and listen and see what comes along. But just, you know, soak it all in, but just appreciate it for what it is, you know, and stop the noise in your head for a while and just listen to what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you don't get to do that at home when life's going all around you and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's that next... The next experience, I suppose. Well, in many ways, that's kind of informed even the major change I'm going through in my life at the moment. Where, you know, we live in Brisbane, so we've got this huge house and everything on an acre and a half, which, um, you know, it's great, but it's in town. And kids kids are, you know, at the point where they can leave home, so we're moving out to the country and, you know, buying a hunting property and that's where, you know, that's where the next stage of my life goes just because I want to be able to get out and do that any, you know, any time I want. Um, there's definitely something for that. I think, I think for a lot of, a lot of young men, if they could experience that, it would give them the same impact that it certainly had for me. And, and I'd have to say that, you know, by and large, the guys that have built that into their lives been much more well adjusted mm-hmm. as a consequence of it. Mm-hmm. Certainly in our day and age, that's not mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing either. And I guess to contextualise a little bit for people listening, um, I'm 44. Barry, how old are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm 49. Mr. Gravy. <laughs> Dave, how old are you, mate? I'm 26. I'm 26. So Dave, Dave's as old as Barry's and Mo's. Mine, mine, is that the word? Mine, ours, yeah. our oldest children. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, moving on a little bit from those, you know, we, we love the philosophical, we love the, the, the deep diving into the, the you know, the, the, the why we do it and that sort of thing. And, and that I think that's what drives us. But if we look at your experience in the last five days, Dave, or four days, however long it's been, I've lost count, which is good. Mm. And I know today you had a fun experience with the particular firearm you took to take with you, but what would be one thing out of the last few days, gear-wise, that you would change? Like, what have you learned from this experience? Different to, you know, blast along in a quad. Right. And pepper in the ferrules, you it's know? Just the importance of being considerate of weight. Is weight. Definitely it. Yeah. So... When you're obviously working out of a vehicle, even if you've got to carry it a bit, so it's not like I've never carried a gun anywhere and walked around, but it's like I'll carry it for 
8K at most. You know, we'll park here, we'll wander down to the river. That was a single kilometre. A single kilometre. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll drive to the river yeah. at, you know, on our quad and then we'll have a little walk around here and then back we go. Like that's, and then keep moving on. Yeah. But, and it's all flat out at Gundawindi, so it's easy going. Yeah. And it's just open country out at the farm that I had. So like, yeah. grazing cattle, so yeah. easy going. So weight's never really been too much of a problem because mm-hmm. you're not carrying it very far. But when you're operating out of a backpack and you know, you're carrying it up and down little hills and in and out of gullies and mm-hmm. round water holes, it just like it stacks up real quick. Yeah. So for people listening, I suppose the description I could give you is that, you know, we're on a property that is a, a cattle property and um, it, it backs onto the, to the river out here at Mara, which is the Dawson River. And um, when you get down that way where the, where the pigs like to hang out, um, it, there's, there's a lot of um, gully country. So, you know, little tributaries and, and gullies with, with ridges and banks in between that uh, have, have pretty high grass and whatnot. So it's, it's close quarters sort of hunting. Um, and, you know, it, um, it obviously lends itself towards a different type of hunting than mountain country or open plains type country, especially for firearms. Mm. Would you agree? I would, yeah. With, um, you know, the outer gun to win your shotguns, not particularly helpful for a lot of, a lot of it. Because mm-hmm. you know they see you coming from, you know, a couple hundred away, and unless you can, unless you can take shots at two hundred, say, like mm-hmm. you're not, you're not doing any good. Yeah. Unless you can shoot from two or three hundred. Yeah. Um, but in here, it's like the shot's twenty yards away. Yeah. So like if in if we happened upon them where we were this morning, like the shot would have been at twenty yards. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, and the, and the awesome thing was at the moment, and, and the gullies that we <clears throat> we were able to stalk this morning. You know, the, the stalking was great, wasn't it? Like, oh, yeah. so quiet. You know, the amount of places you, you, you liken it to hunting up the cake where you're walking in your socks mm. on cornflakes. Mm. And like this morning, and, the, and this particular <clears throat> gully system that we can hunt, it, it, for the most of it, where you get on that pad, it's so soft underfoot, and mm. the, the approach is actually so silent. You know, it's a, it's a bonehunter's dream. It just, if, looks, if the pigs are there, it just mm. looks so good. The whole way I was like getting the adrenaline pump because there just should have been stuff everywhere yeah. and the wind was right, you know, approach was quiet, good visibility, like just in the right spots. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it was it was great fun. It was awesome. That, to me to me it doesn't it doesn't matter about necessarily the messy bit at the end, the experience. Yeah. experience is really the, the yeah. most important part to me like the whole process absolutely so you, you know like um touching on that for example um you know we we're saying before how we've sort of come into firearms and, and using firearms and getting a license is not at, at a similar time completely different reasons completely separate um yeah, we didn't, discussion. we didn't really talk about it at all. It's not like, at all. Like, um, hey, check out my gun. And I'm like, yeah, okay, check hey, out my I've gun. got a gun too. I'm yeah. like, what? How come you've got a gun? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both bow freaks. What are you talking about? And you're more of a bow freak than I am. But, um, you know, like, uh, you know, for those people listening, I, I may or may not have fallen off my roof at home and broken my leg. So spending time on the couch, rehabilitating and whatnot, I wasn't sure how many mountains I'd be able to hike and kilometres I'd be able to walk bow hunting so um <clears throat> i um i thought i'd get my firearms license and as a kid growing up my father had a uh, a marlin 30 30 lever action which um i just absolutely 
I just loved it. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. It was a beautiful weapon. And my father was a bow hunter before I was born. So the rifle actually never got fired during or since my lifetime. And um, I just decided that at the point where I was sort of unsure as to how my rehabilitation would go and my ability to bow hunt would be, that I get my license to own a firearm and then I would get a lever action. So I happened across a, a 44 Magnum Marlin uh, lever action and saw it and just like, I'm buying that gun. I'm buying that gun, mm. <laughs> you know. And um, it was in beautiful condition, second hand. Um, and for what I like to do, the other consideration was the fact that in country out here where it is, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's flat country. It's not, not mountain goat country by any means. So close quarters type hunting, as you experience today, Dave, with the, the cane grass and the, the gullies and that, it's, it's the perfect sort of firearm for the choice. Yeah, absolutely. What did you go with, Dave? Uh, Barry, what's your lever action? It's uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty funny because, yeah, we went through the similar thought process without conferring. So uh, so I picked up a Marlin 4570. A 4570. It is a cannon. It is a cannon. <laughs> yes, no. I thought my 44s were a slug. Holy mackerel. So, <laughs> no, I love it. It's uh, In the couple of years since getting into firearms, I may or may not have spent a considerable sum of money on a range of guns. <laughs> but that was, the, that was definitely the one. That... And who sold you those guns, Barry? Well, interesting story, this young fella, Dave, who was working at uh, a firearm store. So not only is he an accountant because of his, uh, his, his uh, what would we say, his obsession with his, 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 spectrum, his spectrum level uh, <laughs> <laughs> attention to detail. He's definitely on the spectrum. <laughs> but, he, but he clocked off some coin at the shop he was working at when you came in. He I did. did. <laughs> I did. He, yeah. did, he did such a good job that... Uh, he saw you coming. <laughs> Well, I think I've got a good deal because he did such a good job. I recruited him and uh, he's been awesome in his work with me as well. So, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a good synchronicity story with that as well. Yeah, for sure. I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't taken any animals with a firearm yet. Well, and look, to be honest, um, last time I was on this property a few months ago, I, I did shot my first pig with, with the 44 and um, he was a good solid black and white 100 kilo boar and um it was awesome like you know i shot it from 25 meters so for all intents and purposes i could have whacked it with an arrow as well yeah same same you know i could have and that's the way i like to hunt yeah i think the 44 definitely matches the bow hunter type mm. idea because you got to get close either way it's it's definitely the same kind of you work on your red dot on it yeah, yeah. We're red dots, solid to 50, you know, I'm grouping it, you know, an inch and a bit out of a hundred. So I'm, I'm happy with the way it shoots and the accuracy of it and it, it matches and, and maneuvers in the scrub real well. And it's just, mm. a, it's just a beautiful rifle for this situation. Mm -hmm. But, um, we've both, again, devoid of each other, picked up two new threes, yeah. um, which have got that, that little extra reach and an extra, that extra that point over the distance to, to whack whatever it is out that bit further to 100 or 200 metres. Um, and Dave, Dave was shooting his 308 yesterday and sliding that in. And that was something else. That was something to watch. Yeah, we've got a Remington 7600 in 308. And yeah, it's 
finally found an ammo that it likes. So is that is that what you were hunting with this morning, David? Yeah, that's what I brought this morning, and uh, it looks really good, but <laughs> but it's a little bit heavy for, for stomping quite so far. So yeah. when, when we're walking through grass, it's like seven forward, and yeah. you know you can't really see. It's it's a bit. But look, fair enough, Dave. Never been in this property before, so I, you know I probably should have said where we were going, what we were doing, but you know. The way Dave was shooting yesterday, and he was really excited that he sighted in and shooting, you know, tic tacs at 50 meters. So he just wanted to take it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it had to be done. But... No, I think it's interesting because I watch all the ex really experienced hunters generally as well. And I remember when I first started out, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I need this, I'm not sure if I need that. Mm. And, you know, you get all the best gear and you know, and then, and you know, obviously I was into archery then, and then your bow gets heavy, and then you got two knives, and you got this, and you got that, and before you know it, your fucking backpack weighs a ton, and your bow's, your bow's super heavy. And then over the years, I've just got more and more basic, and it's just like the guys that, you know, really showed me a thing or two mm. about bow hunting. <laughs> like, like old Mick with his... With his his thongs and his uh, you know his black widow recurve. So Baz is talking about Mick Baker, Michael Baker, who runs um, Trophy Bow Hunt Safaris um, out of um, Townsville, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've hunted with Mick a few times. He's a, he's a fucking legend. Yes. Um, it, it's <coughs> you know I look back to like I've in in a few recent years acquired a bit of gear off my father who who can't hunt anymore, and uh, and I wear that that leather pouch yeah. I keep my my Freddo frogs and my, and my, my stickers bars in and um <clears throat> and run that belt with the knife hanging off it and and basically dad hunted with that in a back quiver yeah you know and, and a Martin Warthog compound bow which he still has and I have one of them it's just identical for all intents and purposes um and it's just yeah you look back at, at how it used to be done it's mm. just it's a whole other ball game you know and 36 timber arrows in your in your quiver because you didn't have carbon, you didn't have alloy, and if you shot one, it was broken. You know? Yeah. Um, the old Davies Aztecs sitting on them and stuff like that, and and you know you think about those. You know, even today, you know, we 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 stalked through this creek and we got to the river and the boys were sitting. Well, we sat for what ten minutes, had a bit of a muesli bar and a, and a chat, and and I just wanted to poke my nose down around the corner before we went the other way. The wind was wrong, but I just wanted to see what was down around the corner. I hadn't been there before. And just that walk along without my, my pack on for that time that I left it with you, you know, it's, I don't know, you just feel free hunting mm. with just what's in your hand and, it, and it's just something else, you know. It it makes me, it makes me understand, like appreciate the the basic simplicity of, of a bow, but also the basic simplicity of a stick bow. Yeah. You know, and those times where I have hunted with the long bow and yeah. the recurve and stuff like that and, and um, you know, like, like Mick, who we mentioned before, hunts with the Black Widow or, you know, like... Um, I've definitely enjoyed my time hunting with, you know, more traditional boats as well. But certainly for gear, my my approach to things is keep it simple. You know, you have, you have stuff, I've got a basic med kit and whatever, but it's, it's light. My bow might not be the... Well, I've got quite a lot of bows. Come on, Baz. <laughs> but, but the boat that I normally take around now is, is, it might not be the one that drives tax at, you know, 60 metres or whatever. Yeah, it'll plug a pig at 30. But it'll bloody plug a pig at 30, <laughs> and it's super light. Uh, you know, I really appreciate that. So if you were to say, um, if, like, if, if you were to name one piece of gear that was your 
your must-have bit of gear, what would it be? Water bladder. Okay. A water bladder, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, okay, Dan. Okay, Dan. Right. Okay, right. Okay, so a sort of a water bladder. <laughs> what else? Oh, look, I don't know if I can call one bit of gear, obviously, the bow, but I don't go crazy. I don't rock stupid stabilizers, mm-hmm. you know. I can mm-hmm. shoot I can shoot really well. With you can a, shoot well, 100%. With a, you know, with a pretty light setup, as I said. You know, what are you pulling? Do you pull a 70? Um, the one that I've got there is like 66. Yeah. So, so for people listening, like, you know, typically you'd say, you know, Guys would pull 60 to 70 pound bows, and yeah. most guys with compounds would pull 70. Like, you most, were, like most, hunting, most hunting guys, most hunting 70, guys are shooting 70 pound, 70 pound bows, bows yeah. mm. which is more than oh, punch through anything, uh, punch through any kill a buffalo, no worries. I've, right, got, I've, right got a, you know, I've got an 80 pound bow as well, and I can pull that, no problems. But it's a much heavier, it's a much heavier bow, and yeah, like I said, I'm not shooting anything. Cannot What's your draw length, base? 29. 29. So for people listening to mine's 26 and a half. So I get a bit more punch from Yes, you dig a bit more value for stroke for money than I do. So so my, my whole 26 and a half, um, but I can pull an 80 pound bow all day. So that's what I hunt with. Which makes sense because you've got a shorter draw, mate. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, you pick it up your weight with that. But um, I don't know. Like, I guess my approach to gear, and if there's you know younger people watching this or whatever, so often when they get into hunting, it's all of this got to have the best gear and, you know, the newest version bow or whatever. You know, I've got a lot of bows that I've collected over the years. But probably my, you know, apart from this super light one, my favourite bow is the one I bought, like, 2005. Mm. And it just shoots beautifully. 100%. And I've got... You know, um, so my approach is I'll I'll usually buy a bow every you know three years or something like that. So and you, and you pick them up secondhand. I, I know always, you. I know you too well. I always <laughs> pick them up two three years. Yeah. So I'll buy the top of the line, but it's two to three years old, and it's less. And I always cost. I always shop around for a couple of months before I get it. Yeah. And every one that I've bought is from someone who went out and bought the top of the line everything. And never used it. Or hurt himself. Like the boat you got for me, that last, that boat. Yeah, you heard him. The, the boat tech I'm still at home, you know, I'll make hurt his shoulder, but, yeah. you know, you come across it and like, this is, this is the deal, this is what I want to get. So I would just say don't get sucked into the latest because, yeah. you know, I shoot all of the all of the latest bows as well, you know, go down the club and shoot the other guy's gear and, and they're always at the race for the most expensive stuff. But, you know, I've okay. always, so, I don't know, I've probably got, Got more than a dozen compound bows. <laughs> um, got more than a dozen traditional bows as well. Yeah. Um, but that would be my advice. Don't, you don't need to get the yep. latest stuff is a gimmick. It doesn't. Yep. doesn't and look, one thing I've learned over, over a long time now, and is that bows depreciate real quick. Yeah. So, and anything that's two, three years old, you can pick up a half price or less. And you know, like my current bow, which, yeah, I have reconditioned and refurbished and I've got new strings and, you know, all the works and jerks on it, but it's a 2014 model and it's 2023. It kills stuff. It shoots beautifully, carries nice. Yeah, I've loaded it up. It's a bit heavy, but it, it, it's, you know, it, 
a bullet made 10 years ago is going to shoot like a bullet made today at the end mm -hmm. of the day and, and the bow's no different you know you look after your gear and whatever else and you know i know i can pick up my york boss compound that i bought when i was 13 which has a timber riser and timber limbs and i know what arrow goes in it i know it comes out of it beautifully at 50 pounds yeah. and i have killed that much shit with it. it's not funny and I can bring it out here tomorrow, and short of not being as accurate as I, I have to be with it, I can kill shit with it. No mm. worries at all. You know? um, so, to answer your question, I'd say obviously, apart from the bow, you know, a good a good set of binos, but again, same yep. thing, you don't have to go crazy and have the, have the best. Yep. For, yep. You know, around that five six dollars mark, and yep. if you're clever and shop around second hand, you get something really awesome and glass is nice like yeah so other than other than that you know you just need a good knife and you don't have to spend a fortune to get a good knife mm. either um that's the other thing that the accountant over here has got to <laughs> a mild obsession for i do mr i brought a dozen knives on a hunting trip yeah. yes oh yes, that <laughs> one i've been carrying around yeah that that one's like a six hundred and fifty dollar knife. Nice. So he it's may, excessive. He but it's may nice. have quite a lot of knives of that caliber. Yeah, <laughs> that I've, caliber. Yeah, I've got a I've got a problem. <laughs> Dave does like knives. He yeah. likes his guns, but he likes his knives. Yeah, yeah I'd have a lot more dollars in knives than guns. Yeah. Really? Yeah, really. Real? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I don't know how I know how many guns I have. I don't know how many knives I have. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, he does like he does like his knives. I, I have to say I like knives too, but same thing for me. My approach is I'll like I'll get the one that performs. You know, I might spend 150 bucks on a knife, but I'll research and it'll be the one that compares favorably to one that's like four or five hundred. So, so like you know, I've known you for a long time now, Baz, and that 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 without a doubt is informed by the fact that you know in your 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 existence as a financial advisor is that you're not a muppet with money no uh, i think you know value for money and you put you, the time you, in to get your value for money and that's that's you know serves in, in instances where i you can't know, help but be giving advice it. to people listening <laughs> as you may have gathered you know you don't have to spend dollars that's to it. get great outcomes yeah for and, sure. and, and again like like the bow i'm shooting now it's an 80 pound bow i bought for 500 bucks and, yeah. and it's a fucking good bow you know so. um and and it's 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 nine years old and it kills shit like nothing else kills shit i've shot i've so. shot this year's hoyts and it's a hoyt that flukes shooting and in my opinion they don't shoot any better than that oh mate i got this thing back because for people listening i um i broke it all down i got a hydro dipped um i got cams sorry coated i got new strings the whole that like refurbished the whole thing and i got it back and I, I, I did not shoot it before I set, I broke it down and mm. redid it. I, I did not put an arrow through it. It's quite funny because it actually looks better than the one I've done. It's like you take it anywhere and be like, "What is it? The new model that I haven't even seen yet?" <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I got it back. Um, oh, sorry, I got the riser back and I got the cans back from the Cerakote and everything. I put it all back together. I had no idea what I was doing. Figured it out. Got a an Osbow press, you know, shameless plug there for um, the Osbow press. Absolute brilliant value for money, Australian made bit of gear. Um, put it all together, figured it out, like tried to 
figure it out anyway. Finally got it working, put an arrow through it, and I was just like, this is just insane. Mm-hmm. It was dead in the hand. It was quiet. It was, and, and for 80 pound, it just drew beautifully. Um, oh, I was just gobsmacked by the whole, the whole thing, to be honest. And I was so, I guess, happy or satisfied with the process of doing that because you know, it was the first time I'd, I'd even restrung a compound bow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd never even used my a, a bow press before, um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was a it was a learning curve, hundred percent learning curve. And um, you know, uh, Baz's affinity for tuning things and being very pedantic with that aspect of stuff is just not my forte. So you know, I'm not even sure how well it's actually tuned, but I know it goes uh, well. It goes well enough where I point it. I had a little bit of a look when you were when you were around. It's not too bad. Yeah. We could probably give it a little tweak, but it's pretty good. It's not, right. yeah. Uh, the um, timing and everything seems fine. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah, when I, I remember when I was like getting into archery and well, even past bow hunting, so I was pretty good on the targets. But I used to pay people to, you know, do the initial setup and tuning. But um, no, I really got into that. Oh, geez, uh, probably fifteen years ago now. Mm. Um, and I appreciate the process. Mm. I like playing around with them and yep. fine tuning them. It takes takes a little bit of work in the first place. Yeah, and, and look, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not anybody. I'm not, I'm not a person who's ever bothered with it ever. Like I've, I've not, you know, turn turn that side that yoke that bit, turn the you know bus cable this. Way. I've, I've got no idea. You know what I mean? Like it's just not something that I've I've delved into. I'm a keeper, simple, stupid. If it points where I want it to point and it kills where I want it to kill, I, I do it and move on. Mm. And, you know, like we've discussed here, Baz, can you tune this for me? It's all right, just leave it with me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that's that's how I've approached and, and what I've done with all my bows before. Like, you know, I keep the strings waxed and I you know, make sure everything's working right. But as far as just that tuning side of it's concerned, it's just not been my thing. Well, you don't, you don't have to... to to get into it, you know, you start, like you said, keep it simple. It just depends what you want to take out of your, your hobbies and things as mm-hmm. well. But, I don't know, it's definitely, definitely outdoor hobbies is my way to go, which is why we're selling our place and, you know, moving hopefully to like four or 500 acres or something like that. Yeah. Um, so definitely looking forward to, looking forward to making that change. Yep. I think something with gear is like to keep it fun, right? So if it's stressing you out, like, 100%. oh, what, what string do I turn and 100%. and what round do I load? Like, if it's starting to stress you out, then yep. you're doing it wrong. Like, so, like, yeah, I obsess on my gear a little bit, but I find it fun to yeah, get yeah. it. Oh, like, really dive into it. Well, yeah. And so it, it, I, enjoy, I enjoy, like, oh, that's talked to exactly 20-inch pounds, and it helps my mental state because I know it's done right that's rather right. than, yeah, yeah. like... So you got more for me. It's like I've got more confidence in my gear because I yeah. know that it's done right. That's a great point. And so it, I enjoy it. But if it's starting to stress about, oh, should it be twenty or twenty-five inch, and it's worrying you, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And look, same thing. We, we, I was thinking about it um, earlier today when we were talking about arrows and stuff. And um, you know, like when I when I actually lived here in Nara back in the early two thousands, and uh, I used to hunt the creeks and stuff on a Friday afternoon after work and whatever else and, and other mates in town who are into their bow hunting and archery and that. I used to enjoy making timber arrows. Yeah. And I'd just say, hey boys, you, you buy the gear, bring them to me, I'll make them. 
and I devised all sorts of, you know, um, jigs and stuff to, to dip uh, and crest and, and um, custom make. You know, yeah, so, timber arrows, and and that was my that was that was just in, I just I just sit on the house, and, and back in the day I wasn't even sitting with a beer in the hand, you know, I was just just sitting there, and I'd be like, just bring arrows around, boys, I'll make them up for you. You bring everything. Uh, since we're talking gear, so Dave and I, like Luke's called him the accountant from the from the movie, but um, <laughs> but I'm the same. Like here, I'm the same with with bows as he is with the firearms. Yeah, yeah, mm. and I know that. Over time, I'll be the same with the firearms as well. Um, but, Luke, you are the same with gear. It's just not with the tuning. Yours is the the artistic component of it. Mm. So your gear looks Works. right. Yeah. It like matches that. right. So all of all of Luke's firearms that he's got, he's got them custom Cerakoted. <laughs> Right, so shout so, out to IPS Cerakote. Look him up on Instagram. Danny is a magician. Yeah, it looks yeah. awesome. And I also appreciate the the craftsmanship in the approach that you take as well. And it matches. So you, you talked about me being careful with the dollars as well. Well, you've done the same thing as well. You know, we both raised yeah. we both raised families. You know, with with you know getting into and remember back when we first started and imported all of those bows from the US. Yeah, mate. Was Five or six. It's like six bows. Six bows you brought in, wasn't it, from the, the States? Shop yeah. closed and I yep. got them real cheap and then sold them off. And, you know, I just just started a, you know, a young family and yep. doing that funded, you know, funded the hobby for years. And yeah. I made enough dollars out of that, you know, to go for a couple of paid hunts and stuff as yeah. well. Yeah. So just being clever with your hobbies. That's and, it, yeah. and, with your firearms, you bought them second hand, you've reconditioned them, you know, you've done, done it smart. And your aesthetic approach, I definitely, mm. I definitely yeah. admire. You've always had that. And it's kind of interesting how that's spread to, you know, the business that you're part of as well with the, you know, the bracket wear and the mm. camo gear because it's just, it just looks so good. It, I mean, I've worn a lot of camo over the years now. I'm, you know, you can, the same thing, you can get the hype or the marketing hype, but um, it looks good, it functions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it follows that same, that same approach. That the same said. aesthetic. Yeah, the same, same aesthetic, which I really appreciate. There's an interesting process, um, Baz, because <clears throat> back when we first met and I started importing ASAP camo yeah. into Australia and I was the only person, I had a, uh, a really good, relationship with with Chuck who was um, the man at ASAP from the US and um, I read a lot of their background stuff they had really really insightful interesting information on their website about the research behind um, ASAP camo which is what Baz has <laughs> Baz bought off me back in the day and was hunting with the last few days and it's good gear it is it is good camo um, and what I learned from learning about that research and what I learned about um, camouflage and science and, and, the, and the science behind vision and, the, and what I know from my, my, my own degree, my own studies in anatomy and, and physiology and whatnot and how, how vision works and how colour theory works and wavelengths and spectrums and colours and stuff like that. And, you know, like several years ago when I was 
getting back into the sport after a little time away and, and I saw my good mate uh, and brother and namesake Howie Griffin uh, wearing the Brackenwear gear um, and and I did say I just went this this is the ace out of the, the of 2020 you know like when it was back then the the color theory behind it and the way it, the science works um, and, and it's not something that we've covered and we've talked about in this trip with with Dave but in essence, Dave, basically you've got the background tan, which which is a, it's a neutral tone. So mm-hmm. light theory is such that wavelength of light, and you, like, you, there's a Coke can sitting at the table here for people listening. It's red. So light's hitting that, and everything else but the red wavelength is being absorbed, and red's coming back. So that's what your eye sees. Mm-hmm. Now, with the, t- the tones of that, that camo pattern, it's the, the same theory in such that if you've got a light background and then you've got the gradual tones of the other two colours, which, you know, are that dark green with the, the digital breakup lines, the brownie sort of a tone, it's dark brown and then the black. What, you're, what you've got is a depth, perce- depth perception um, disruption. Right. Yeah. So an, an animal will look at that that doesn't necessarily see in colour you know, we have to, certain animals that do see in colour, but we're hunting pigs, for example, they don't see in colour. They're going to see that and they can't focus on mm-hmm. you because of the way those um, colours on your camo disrupt or reflect that those wavelengths of light. So Dave's wearing a broken wear shirt. He's looking mighty fine, isn't he? I have to say, <laughs> he's looking. I have to say, he's he's looking like a model wearing it. So, <laughs> bit of three day growth? No, it's not. <laughs> so the thing about the gear, and this is, this is what I said, I can see why I can see why you know you've got into running, you know, taking in the company and whatever because. Not only does it have the same science that, you know, made the ASAP so good, but it actually to a human looks freaking good. Yeah, it absolutely does. Like, it looks good. And then the designs that you guys have put together are so good. I'm just... So from this trip, I know I'm going back and I'm just going to order a pile of stuff. Just order a pile of stuff. Just such a nice material as oh, well. It's just like it breathes yeah, well. That's, that's the Scorcher shirt. That one, yeah, it's beautiful. It's my favourite bit here. The whole, the, everything we make, that's like, fantastic. Yeah, like I'll, like today, you know, we were stomping. I was carrying too much stuff, and like I'm just like, all right, well, I'm sucking the big ones, and I'm, and I'm sweating, but it just dries so quick yeah, and breathes very well. I've, I've got a few bits of gear that I got early on when you first got into the Brackenware. But um, it's the only camo that I actually wear, like, for social, because it just looks that good. And mm. people go, oh, that, that's a cool jacket. Mm. So I can't say that about him. So, so Barry's probably describing the fact that I've had my, the bow that we're talking about before when I got that and, and decided to... The, the, the concept behind it was that I wanted to buy a bow and get it hydro-dipped in our Brackenware pattern. Mm-hmm. And, um, and use it as a bit of a proof of concept moving forward. And uh, then I may or may not have had several knives uh, with their handle components dipped in Brackenware as well. It's basically yeah. turned his entire setup into <laughs> Brackenware camera pattern. And it does it look pretty awesome. <laughs> it really does. It looks, the, it looks the shit. It really does. So, yeah, I, I, one, of my, one, of my, one of the things I, I hate 
is, you know, like Oz Cam pants and I don't care what other camo pattern you've got. Just, you know, like, you, you just don't mix and match camos. I just hate it. It just, it's always bugging me. You, know? like, you do like your, yeah, It's your always bugging yeah. me. But one of the things, look, I learned really early on from ASAP, and, and they, they used to have it on their, um, used to have it on their um, website. And, and again, what I used to, um, and like, mate, I can't speak more highly of Chuck. Um, he was, he was an absolute legend, but, um, they basically, they said on their website, something like, uh, when, with their research, I can't remember the exact words verbatim, but it was, you know, like, have you ever seen a deer run into a tree? Well, you yeah. haven't. So they obviously, you know, they can, they can, you, you scare the shit out of the deer, it'll just run full pelt through the scrub and it will not run into a tree. They can see trees really, really well. That's their environment. That's their home. Why would you want to make yourself look like something they see very well? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're just not going to look right. You, you, it doesn't matter what camera you've got on. It doesn't matter what brand and how many leaves and how many twigs and how many, you know, whatever else it's got on it that's supposed to look like a tree or a bush. You're not going to look like a tree well enough that a deer's not going to see you. So why would you want to even bother trying? You know, you need to understand mm-hmm. the science and that behind it. And, and, and when I read that, it, it was just like a, it was just that bombshell moment. I'm like, holy crap. You know, I've been hunting for three, four, five years, whatever it was at that point. And that just makes so much sense, you know. And, and I go back to, you know, a, a lot of people say, oh, you know, the old Auscams work really good. And I say, well, you know, I spent time in the Army and Auscam was designed to hide humans from humans, mm. not humans from animals. Yeah, and, humans, and it's obviously it's evolved since my time in the Army back in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, um, the, the patterns are different now, but it's still designed to hide from humans. Right. It's not designed to hide from animals. Makes sense because, like with humans, it's you know the shape, shine, silhouette, you know, all, sounds, and yeah. all of those. Yeah, it's a scent. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But it makes sense. Like, see, to us, we see like the like the head and shoulders, mm-hmm. and so that's you know the sniper veil and all that kind of rounds that out. So you don't see yeah. that same shape, but but a deer doesn't see the same yeah, as breaking up the depth. Yeah, the depth yeah. yeah, yeah. And and you know, you're, you've been wearing your three D leafy suit. And I've still got mine, and and I think there is a there's a good value argument and discussion around breaking off that outline. Mm. But you don't need to break your outline up if they can't focus on you. Mm. You know, and that's where my brain goes now with my science background and my understanding of that that you know um, the, the literally the physics behind how it works. And I'm like, well, you know, the last trip I did here, as I was telling you boys, you know, I had that many pigs within 15 meters of me just standing there looking at you going. What oh, I, I can't what, smell you. What is that? I can't work out what you are, so I don't care. Mm. You know, and then, oh, and then you whack one, you whack two, you whack three. They mm. just don't care. I mean, I've had the same experience with deer, like mm. slowly moving a millimeter, like yep. you know, in ASAP, yeah, a millimeter every yeah. ten seconds with a deer looking yep. at you as you get closer to it, and yep. and pause, and it, you know, it's this weird, this weird thing, but I can't work it out, and then. You just got to carefully be patient mm. as it puts its head down. So, so what's been your favourite hunt, Baz? Like, if you get, if you had to pick one hunt for one reason or one experience, like not necessarily you know game hunted or you know, or if you can't pinpoint one, what like give us a summary, give us a couple. Um, well, there's been definitely been some standouts. So, you know, not that long after you got me into bow hunting 
obviously the first trip. The first trip was the first trip. It was so much fun. The first trip was great. That's so much fun. Um, but we we did a trip to the Cape not too long after that. Was that with our trip to the Cape? Yeah. Yep. That was awesome. So that was my first trip to the Cape, and um, you know, massive property. And you know, I got dropped off on this. I think I can't remember if it was the first day or second day or something like that. We were there for 10 days. And it was bloody hot. It was 44, 45. It was really hot. Yeah. And I got dropped off and and I just kind of worked out my plan and I could see this see this tree line and I just hiked and you know, I I did like 25 Ks that day. Mm. But um, it was really hot and I got into this nice gully and I couldn't find any water in it and I was just you know, going through really quietly and and uh and I don't know, it's probably four or five hours in and this is I'd had a little bit of a break, so it's maybe one one, two o'clock in the afternoon, so it's freaking hot. And I was wasn't gonna hike back because I didn't want to leave the shade in the gullies. <laughs> and uh so I just kept walking through it and I just came to this one spot where there's some water and a wall and this nice sandy patch and there's this tree overhang. And asleep right there as I carefully round the corner was this huge ball. Yep. And um, yeah, that was that was my first pig actually. And so I took a you know, just lined up and took a shot and mm. and this pig like was asleep and he stayed asleep. Yep. That's pretty it just was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember how what that went, it was like thirty Nearly 35 point or something. 35 points. Um, Dating points and task measurement for people listening, so they're not aware. And, um, which, like, yeah. record classes, like, I can't remember now. It's been, oh, it's been too long since I've cared, but I was like 30 points as record class yeah. mm. when you talk ABA scores and stuff like that yeah. with bow hunting. Yeah. Um, trophy class is like 26 or 28 or something. But if it's 30, that's the magic number, eh? Mm. Like, you just, like, 30s. It's a big tusk of pig, you know. Yes. And for bio hunters, again, it's it's different to shooting pigs or dogging pigs. It's not about weight; mm. it's about tusk size because that's that's indicative of their age and their intelligence, really. But you know, I I was still so green. That was my first pig, so I didn't know what I was doing. I remember that, and it was lucky because I nearly I nearly took the back of the tusk off. Back the back of the tusk off. Oh, no. Fortunately, <laughs> I didn't because I just cut the bottom of his jaw off and it was literally just along the end. Because I didn't know what I was doing, but anyway. <laughs> but I'd say that's definitely a memorable one. Yeah. Um, I've had quite a lot of deer hunts now as well, so all of those are memorable to a degree. It's just it's just that next level. Yeah. Um, so, you know, red in the Brisbane Valley. And Namir was definitely pretty cool. All that was Nick, Nick, wasn't it? Yeah, that was actually a trophy hunts, yeah. With trophy bow hunts as well. So So what what would you say if like, you know, talking about memorable hunts, what would you say was a hunt where you you had a like an aha moment, like a moment where you just you learnt something. Oh god, all of them. No, all of this one. Dead set, you're hundred percent right. I was like, you know, like you're always learning something, aren't you? I've never been on. Yeah, it's a lot, right? But 
every was single. It, was there anything that you're just going to? I'm just I'm changing this or like from now on I'm remembering that or you know that's a really hard. Question. One of the things for me, for example, on that on that that trip you were talking about up the Cape was learning about the the Nunda nut trees. And I remember going with Nick on the first day, and he was he was he he go up to a termite man, he climbed a termite man, and he looked for Nunda nut trees because like, there's going to be pigs over there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But that that to me was like I've never heard of a Nunda nut from a log, yeah. you know. And I took photos of the trees and the flower and the fruit and everything, and, and that that told me that you know like obviously it's the find the food, find the water, find the bedding, you know, put the pieces... I was probably more focused on the lesson, which was don't go near logs in the water at the cave. Yes, logs in the water at the cave, yes. Because they're probably not... They've probably got legs and they'll snap at you. (laughs) (laughs) I did come across a few water holes where most of them were freshies, but there was one water hole there that was only... It only probably had about four metres of water in it, and it was... It was... It was kilometres from the river. Yeah. But there was a big saltwater crocodile in there. Well, yeah. big for me anyway, because it was probably... It doesn't matter. Yeah. Probably 10 foot or something. But yeah. Big, big croc. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, look, apart from, apart from be careful with crocs in the, at the cave, I don't know, just everything. Everything, you know, it's how you walk. It's how you read the wind. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started, I couldn't tell which way the wind was blowing unless I, you know, I haven't used a puffer for a while. I still think they're great, mm-hmm. um, but I couldn't tell. But even in this trip, I could pretty much feel which way the yeah, wind was yeah. blowing. And it just takes thick last today, wasn't it? Last oh, few days be fickle. That's, right. That's the thing when you're hunting gullies and whatever, and you get the temperature change in the day and the curve back and forward. A bit extra, like, where well, we had a storm come through the day, which is a bit bizarre, but that doesn't help. So keeping, you know, keeping the wind right, that's probably the thing that you're always learning more about mm-hmm. every time you go. But and I remember, that's a hard question. I think every single time I've been, been over learned something. Yeah. And I remember um, you commented the other day, Dave, that that's not even anything you've ever considered before. No. The wind direction because of the way you've been out shooting things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of not really been... Or because it, you know, again at three hundred, they they doesn't matter whether they have you there. Like, well, it's fun, man. That's, that's what see us sort of. That's right. One of the customers to assume like if you got to two hundred, you got close. Yeah. So you know, three hundred is kind of a typical. Four hundred is challenging for me at my skill level, like like yeah. in field conditions. Yeah. Um, yeah. like off a bench, like people that are, that are much better than me can shoot much further than that. But, yeah. but I find in field conditions, getting a kneel over a quad seat, like for sure. you got to put kneeling over a quad seat, 400, like that's, that's it. Yeah. And, um, that, and, and in hunting, um, situations, you know, you know there, there was people in us talking about, talking about, um, that young lad the other day. Mm. Um, it's like, it's lately the day in my, <laughs> but, I'm, I'm Je- um, Jesse Polkinghorne. You know, like what he can whack over at a significant distance is mind blowing. Yeah, you know, so the, 400 meters, you know, like from for you and I, Jose, that's that's a hell of a long way. It just doesn't, they don't really know. See, at three, let's call 300, which is a much more typical thing. It's like, well, they probably know I'm here, but they don't care at 300. Yeah, like they're, they're just not concerned. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny, that's and so what, what now I'm, it's with now that it's at you know 30, 30 meters, meters. they yeah. definitely care. Yeah. So it's a definitely a different game, yeah. Right. And, and it's funny because. You know, we've had the discussions, haven't we, where, you know, like, I won't shoot anything past 30 metres. 
yeah. with an arrow. It's just like mm. thirty meters. Like I'm not. That's my. That's our. Yeah. We've discussed it. That's like as a bow hunter. Um, mm. That's where I'll impose my my ethical yeah. in inverted commas. My ethical limit is at that third pin or at that thirty meter distance. Mm. And and for me, back in the day when I was shooting um, instinctively all the time in those sites, the range at uh, at um, at the Grange there in Brisbane where I was shooting 400 arrows every afternoon mm. was 30 metres. Mm. So I knew if I put it on that back wall inside a tennis ball size yeah. and I wouldn't leave until all dozen arrows were, then 30 metres is where I'm hunting. I'm not mm. hunting at 40 or 45. Even though I can go out an ABA round and shoot you know, a great score, no, 30 metres is where I'm hunting in there. But, you know, no. Yeah, you know, if I was, I guess if it was a, a task, like a chore, as in you're culling for a task. And that's the difference, yeah. isn't it? A, yeah. Or a different For a farm or by farm, maybe. But otherwise, to me, there's, I don't know, there's, there's, it's just not personal. Like, no. One of the reasons I took up hunting was because, you know, meeting me, and it's just impersonal. Mm. And, you know, everything's packaged, everything you get is packaged. There's no meaning in your food and everything else. And I don't know, I, re I had a real process to go through because I don't want to be asleep. I want to be aware of what I'm doing in my life. Mm. And one of the reasons mm. I took up hunting was to address that. And I remember those discussions. Questions. That we had. Yeah, I talked to you about you, you probably missed me a heap of questions like that. And mm. so you get up, you... You know, you're looking at it. You can see it in its environment. You can see it enjoying its life. But it's at peace in what it's doing. And, yeah. Yep. And I don't know. It, to me, there's just something more meaningful in that. Yep. And it's confronting. Mm. And it's real. It's hands-on. It's, you know, like, um, like you said, it's not disconnected. It doesn't have a disjoint of meat in the plastic in woolies you know um mm. and and you know for a fact that uh in, in the instance and, and we talked about it the other day didn't we dave where you know i said you, you get into that that at 5 10 15 20 meters whatever it is that animal has no clue you're there it can't smell you it's not alert to you and and you whack it and it dies mm. it, it doesn't know any different it's just it's dead you know, yeah. be it from an arrow and it passes out through blood loss or, you know, from a bullet either in, in the brain and it's instantly dead or in as much effect of, as of an arrow through the heart-lung area. And um, and it just doesn't know any different. It is mm -hmm. as humane and as, and as clean and, and as um, organic as it possibly can be, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, there's, because you're doing it that personally, you, you for me, there's the empathy in it as well. Right? Absolutely. And so you're not avoiding it, you're confronting it, right. you're experiencing it. Something I learned from, I'm not sure if it was my mate in Hungary, and again, it's late and I've had a few realms, but, and, and unfortunately his name escapes me, but, or, or Pedro Empuro who's in, in Spain, I think it might have been Pedro who said, a hunter is not without remorse. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's stuck yeah. with me for literally fifteen or twenty years now. A hunter is not without remorse. It doesn't matter that the fact that you have killed that animal, they had no idea you were there, and you know, you, you harvest the meat off it and you get to consume it. You still are responsible for taking a life. Yeah. You know, but you're connected to that process and you have a feeling of remorse, but at the same time 
it's the food chain. Yeah. Know? So that's also why I like, I like my 308 in that, like, yeah, it's slightly overdone a lot of the time, but if I ran out of talent slightly or it's wind <laughs> or the wind caught it or it moved yep. or if something, yep. whatever happened and I missed exactly where I wanted by a couple of inches, it's, there's a margin for error. Yep. Whereas if you hit it with something like a, like a two to three, yep. um, suboptimally, it'll carry it and just keep going. And yeah, I like, like that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah, so it, it makes you feel much better when it's okay. I hit it and it's done and it's over quick and clean. And, and, and you know, like in years gone by and Barry and I went back when we moderated the forums and, and, you know, we had thousands of people posting on them all the time. We had to be very careful with what was posted and how it was posted because mm -hmm. the public perception of hunting is a highly emotional and, and yeah. politically sensitive topic. And, um, you know, but reality is we are human we make mistakes and things don't always go accordingly to plan but you know you put in the preparation and the practice and you do everything within your power to make sure it happens right and clean yeah. and humane and obviously using the right tool for the job yeah know, and, and and doing your and you know i think with regards to like that you know the 308 as the tool for for a job or in our um, experience, in my experience, but in our practice, I suppose in this day and age, Barry, where we're both pumped for time and we don't get to be at the range practicing with a recurve, a longbow, or a, mm. or a barebow compound to, mm. to tune that perfectly imbalanced, um, you know, mind's eye with with instinctive shooting, you know, compound bows with sights and range finders, or in my instance, the, the bow mounted Garmin are just yeah. they're they're an amazing tool. You know, that was something I was going to touch on is a laser rangefinder is absolutely worth the investment. Mm. So this is the first hunt I've actually taken a laser rangefinder on. Yeah. And, oh, God, it's such a difference. Yeah. Because the, like, so before laser rangefinders were prolific, that's kind of where you got the ultra magnums sort of come in, like the 300 rum, the 7mm rum, the 7mm STW, the, yep. you know, the really high powered calibers. So if my range calls a little bit off, it doesn't matter because it's, it's only dropped because it's flat out to yeah. Yeah. four or 500. Yeah. Started in at 300, it's flat to 500, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the laser rangefinder now, and you know it's at yeah. whatever range you can use your hold in your reticle or dialy clicks or whatever. Mm -hmm. It also makes it awesome for setting up a, a range like we did the other morning. That's it. Yeah, you set up your target, you drive your, your car back and, right, this scrape here is at 50 or this scrape here is at 100. Yep. And then you've got a really accurate zero to work from because mm. all your, the data, if you're trying to do ballistics calculations and all that, it only really works if you've got a solid zero to yeah. work from. Yeah. Well, it's even more important with bows because where you're aiming at 20 metres is very different where you're aiming at 30 metres and, yeah. and it's even more different at 35 metres, which mm. is why, you know, I, I, I kind of set my range at 40 maximum depending on what I'm hunting mm -hmm. and I really don't want like shooting more than 30 as yep. we talked about, mm. no more than 40. Yep. But, you know, the gap the gap between 30 and 40 is pretty significant. It is significant. Shooting mm -hmm. you know, reasonably heavy arrow. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. And so I've, you know, I've hunted with longbow and recurve and, and you know, self-bow and whatever else. But the only time I've hunted with them is when I've been practicing yeah. a Absolutely. lot with them. Absolutely. Practicing a lot with them. Yeah. And as you said, I don't. You know, when you got you got young kids and or you know a business to run and all of that kind of stuff, that's the reason why I predominantly hunt with a compound bow. Mm. Um, 
because I, I know it back to front and yeah. even if I haven't trained with it as much to 30 metres, I know what I'm doing. Mm. And I'd agree with Dave in the, having a range finder. If, if you're in that same bracket, because the same thing with range finding, you have to, like I've hunted with the tra tra you know more traditional bows, but again, same thing. I'm practicing all the time, and I'm practicing range finding yeah, all the time. That's right. Stump shooting. And all yeah, that. stump shooting yeah. all of the time and going, what's the distance or whatever. So so stump shooting, um, and, and Dave's probably never heard the term before, you, you, you'll have a selection of arrows in your quiver, um, and predominantly they're all the same. Mm -hmm. you know, like, we're hunting with compound bows, we're running boat. Well, I'm running a boat, Burr. Barry yeah. didn't quite <laughs> get himself <laughs> organized and saw his boat quiver, so, but... You know, you're running five, six, or seven, whatever it is, and you've got your carbon shaft there with your, your screw on broadhead. But the in a traditional approach or more traditional approach to to, to hunting, you'll have a, a back quiver or a hip quiver or whatever, and you'll have your, your you might have a dozen arrows in there with broadheads on it. You might have um, one of those dozen might have a field point on it, which is a target point, you know, just like a ballpoint mm -hmm. pen, and um, Another might have what's called a small game head. Some might mm -hmm. have like wire prongs or, yeah, wire prongs. or yeah. you know, Howie, Howie Griffin's magnificent van busters back in the day. And just for shits and giggles, because you're not going to scare away everything within 100 metres or 200 metres or half a kilometre with a firearm, you might just walk around and harvest grass like Dave yeah. did the other day. You know, you, you literally yeah. just you'll pick a stone yeah. and you'll, you'll pick a clump of grass or you'll pick a... a uh, you know, a grass tree or whatever, and you and you whack an arrow into it at whatever distance, mm. and that keeps your eye tuned in. Yeah, yep. be it 15, 25 meters, five meters, whatever. You just and you know, if you're both walking around, it's more so a trad gear type practice than a compound bow practice. But I used to have uh, you know I a small game head with my bare bow compound. Um, and I, I still shoot my compound. Yeah, because they're more powerful, you can still lose arrows. Yeah, yeah. Right. stuff them up. <laughs> See, laser <laughs> range and the arrows are not getting cheaper. That's for damn sure. No. So, range mode is such a good training tool as well. Hundred yeah, percent. I can say I think that that's forty, yeah. and yes, it is. Or now it's yeah. thirty. I was, yeah. you know, you can get yeah. your eyes same with like uh, wind wind meters. Yep. This is what ten mile an hour feels like. Yeah. You can get get that in the groove. And, and, and I remember back in the day when when we first started getting range finders, it'd be like. How far is that? And you'd be like, oh, 30. No, I'll bet you it's 34. Like, yeah. Pull out the range phone and you check, you know, yeah. and whoever it was at a, a bottle of rum or whatever, you know, like, yeah. hey. I was, doing, I don't know if you guys saw me, but I had the range finder out for a fair bit of our hike today. Oh, that's right. exactly what I was I just saw that sitting at the, that water hole. Yeah. Oh, I was too busy suffering. I was doing Carrying that lump of a 308. Yeah. Just <laughs> staying quiet, suffering for myself. <laughs> The other thing with the guys that buy new bows every year or new guns or whatever, right? And there's a lot to be said for, well, my bow that I've shot for 10 years, I know back Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So put me in any situation, I know how it's going to perform and how I will perform with it. Absolutely, yeah. And I just see guys, I've, I've been, I've taken, taken guys out, I've, you know, been with them on hunts and I'll have the latest gear and they're only just getting used to it. And then they go out on a hunt and they fuck up their first, you know, the first two or three shots. Yeah, they forget yep. where their safety is. Point in case, Dave. Well done. Yes, <laughs> yeah, guilty. Guilty as charged. <laughs> so for those listening, I had a had a bore at, oh, I reckon, about 25. No more than 30. I had the 223. And um, 
and I had one in the chamber and may or may not have not been ultimately or intimately familiar with the action of my safety. But it did lead to the most comical experience of the hunt so far, which is Dave putting two rands into a clump of grass that he thought was the same boar, and it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't just shoot it once, he shot it twice. It was still standing, and I was like, how is it? I'll just put double O buckshot into it. How is it still standing? So hit it again. So moving on, Dave, (laughs) if you were to to pick a piece of gear Mm. from your experience in this week... um, what would you, you know, what would you say is either the best bit of gear you've brought along or the worst bit of gear and you'd change it? So I think it's important to make sure that like, like it's simple, but like make sure your boots are broken. Good tool. Like, yeah. like make sure that you've got good boots, make sure that they fit well, make sure that they're not going to rub you. So obvious, didn't think of it. So true. But yeah. like make sure that, because if you, if you start blistering up and you start having a bad time, then you're worried about Oh, my feet hurt, and then I'm down, down and in rather than up and out looking yep. for things. I'm not. You're not as observant if you're in pain. Yep. So make sure your boots are good. Um, the laser range one has been really good, um, just so you can get in that groove of how far away things are. Um, so on, on, on the boots thing, I, yeah. I would, our late friend Paul Ray taught me, um, and I sort of, I sort of thought he was full of crap at the time, but with regards to boots and blistering, because I bought a new pair of a solo um, boots when I was living in Shanghai. And they, they honestly, honest to God, they the best boots I've ever owned and walked around the world with them almost. But when I first got them, I was blistering fiercely. Mm. And I'm like, these are awesome boots, but what the heck? And he's gone, dude, you've got to buy better socks. Mm. Oh, oh, that's a good I'm one. like, what? Yeah, he's no, like, that's go and buy decent that's, socks. That is a very good point. And I think I spent 30 bucks a pair on New Zealand wool I socks. I only wear wool socks. Yeah. They they just changed my world. That is a very good point. I'm glad that you brought that yeah. up. Because I wore those boots until the soles. So can I re-answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. What? So guys, if you're listening, buy decent wool socks. It makes the biggest oh, difference. Cotton socks. Yeah. And then I just wear... For me, the Solomon. Yep, Solomon. Hiking boots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't, I, and I, I kind of won't name the brand of boot that I'm wearing, but they're very similar to those Solos that I had yeah. in many aspects. And I may have won them as a prize or something. <laughs> um, but when they arrived, I was like, wow, these are so similar. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they're just magic boots to wear. Yeah, so, I think it's also boots, about making sure they fit you. Like, yes. so like brand brands are like get a reputable brand, yeah, get yeah. a reputable, well-made brand. But you've got to try them on. I like, know. And see, Solomon's are fine, but I have I have weird feet, and I find <laughs> yes, the Merrells. Yeah, <laughs> I find the Merrell Moabs fit me better. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I run. Um, yeah, it's good. So you find your brand. So mm. that's the thing. Since I yeah. discovered wool socks and Solomon's, I know my size. Mm. So I've got four different pair of Solomons. Yep. I haven't had to worry because every single one of them never needed to break them in or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So for those listening at home, I actually, with trips like this where I can load up the ute, it doesn't really matter how much gear I bring, I throw in two pairs of boots. Mm. I quite Different like pairs. I like that idea. Like and I said to the boys the other day, I said, you, you stop and think about it. I said, you know, one pair of boots will rub your feet or pressure your feet in, pressure in one place, different pressure point, and then another pair of boots will do it slightly differently. So I typically alternate. And I did this, like, we, we did all those Ks this morning, and I, and I wore those, the brand that I won't name. And um, 
and then may have fallen asleep with the ball <laughs> when we got back yeah. and woke up and went, oh, my feet are a bit sore, so I, I changed my boots and then um, and went for the you know, seven cake walk this afternoon on my own and my feet were a million bucks. But I knew, yeah, no, I, I got up, I got up from my nap and I'm like, my feet are sore. I've mm. got to change my boots if I'm walking this I'm afternoon. definitely like that at the year. I'm going to take that one. But yeah. if it's... Um, if it's backpack hiking and stuff like that, or you you know limited for room, or you know there's there's a couple of you or three of you in the vehicle going, you just don't have that possibility. Then you know it just it adds adds so much weight to quality socks. It yeah. changed my life. No, no all socks, mate. Yep. Because I can remember wearing those boots. I first bought them when I was in Shanghai, and I was living in a 16-story building and trying to get fit to hunt when I came home to Australia. And I was walking with a backpack loaded full of water up and down 16 flights of stairs. Mm-hmm. And I was blistering up. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crap. What the hell? You know, and Paul's just like, just get good socks, mate. And it just changed my world. For it's, sure. It was incredible. You know? Yeah. Also, I like to pack some strapping tape as well, like just in case you do have something pop up, like weird stuff. You got some sand in there or something happens. Got something that, you got something. It's yeah. a start. Like a little bit of poor yeah. ointment, a little bit of strapping tape on it. It's <coughs> get you by. Um, to your point on like what's the best bit of gear I brought, I think it's that thermal. I think that's probably the, like, yeah, the best bit. Oh, the uh, thermal monocular. Thermal, that's thermal mine, scope. Yeah. That's yeah. That's probably the coolest bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we all we all had a bit of a, our first night. We took off down the paddocks um, with the thermal scope. That's my first real experience mm. with a decent. Me too. I like proper like, out, out looking at night hunting or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, very impressive. Mm. And then, yeah, worst bit is yeah, I've got to change up that three hundred eight. Like the way I've got the stock arranged, I've got to I've got to change that because it's too heavy to, to carry about. It's fine for the for the kind of hunting I'm accustomed to yep. with operating out of vehicles. Yeah, and you're carrying it, you know, very limited. It'd be just fine. But for this kind of hunting, it's yeah, it's overdone. Yeah. So but that's right. There's no failure, only feedback. And so the only way you know, right, is you iterate. You try something it doesn't work for you you, mm. you change it just like how you're carrying your gear like oh i need to be able to get my you know whatever out faster yep. so in my range find it can't be in my backpack yeah i've got to have it somewhere else you, you sort of just yep. figure out and make it work for you yep 100 yeah uh, the, the only bit of gear that i'd add to that because it's only been probably the last 10 years that i've used one but the bino and rangefinder harness mm. on the front yeah um with the magnetic flap yep that's that's a that's a big breakthrough and, and look it's only been the last um off the top of my head two and a half years maybe since i got that custom one for myself um the brackenware one that i've used one um and Prior to that, I just had you know your regular binder harness. Is it hanging down? Mm. Um, and it's yeah. on yeah. your guts. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm middle aged and getting a bit more of a gut there than I need to have. Um, but yeah, the actual pouch, and then I've got that little knife on one side, binos, phone slips in the back for photos and stuff, mm. and then you know the the rangefinder on the other side. Hundred um, percent. Since I got that and I'm using it, it's yeah. just. Everything's I've, I've got, yeah. like, I used to have the rangefinder and the binos and whatever, but it's just made it so much more usable. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, you know, like, that's, your, yours is that little bit smaller than mine, but mine's not, you know, you get something, mm. you see something like, oh, that's that's a backpack on your front. That's a yeah. front pack. Mm. That's not a bino harness. Yeah. 
but you know, I I think you know that that middle ground that we've got is just it's a really good size. It's not too much it's on your front that it's heavy. It's not it doesn't it doesn't get in your way. It's not sweaty like you know all that. It's definitely worth the investment. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, again, you know, if you wanted to, you're like I've got. Like I said, a range front in one pouch and a knife in another and my, my mobile in the back. But you could easily have, you know, a couple of bits of first aid gear yeah. um, in one side. And, you know, like that, like with you boys this morning when you were that long and I went for a walk without my pack, you know, that's that's sufficient that if, you know, something with pear-shaped, you've got a bit of first aid gear, yeah. you know, you've, you've got a knife there if you need it or like we run knives on our hips and stuff because we're in peak country and that. Definitely a great bit of gear, and there's something that in the last ten years that really come to the fore. Um, yeah, that I've noticed. Yeah, it's just out of the way and accessible, and yeah, and like because it's like mounted on your chest, it's not like it's not impeding like mm. shouldering a, a firearm or, or, or yeah, you draw, even drawing both. You, draw you know, you're looking at the string. That yeah. was something that when they first came around, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. but you know, they pulled right in. And look at that angular yeah. string; it just doesn't get in the way. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really good and super convenient. Uh, yeah, well, I remember my first range finder. It was like bigger than... It was huge. It was this massive thing. It was like a big set of binoculars. It was the... I mean, we're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. No, I've never had one until I... Like, the part, only the past couple of years that I actually bought one. I used that one for like 12, yeah. 12 years until it just so fell apart, literally. It yeah. just, the plastic just literally disintegrated. Yeah. Well, that, the yeah. one I've got now, I had to buy because I, I don't know where my last one went. So I used to keep it, for those who, at home who are listening, I, I work in emergency services and uh, as a vertical rescue technician, really handy to have a range finder because you can look over a cliff or a bridge or whatever and you can go, well, that's 35 metres, so mm. a 50 metre rope will do. Or mm. that's 75 metres, I need 100 or 150 metre rope, whatever. Really good bit of kit for that. But I may or may not have any idea where it's yeah. gone. <laughs> and um, yeah, so so at some point I went and went, oh, I just can't find the damn thing. I've got to buy another. Well, they're a lot more affordable these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not, you can't say that about too many things, but no. certainly range finders are a lot more affordable than they were. So what what have you noticed? Like, um, I've got another topic in mind that we're going to move on to in a minute, Baz. But you know, you've kind of been consistently in the sport for a long time. And uh, again, for those listening at home, I I was in it up to my eyeballs for a lot of years, and then different life changes occurred, and I stepped away for a while and came back to the sport. So I can objectively say, coming back to the sport, sort of three years ago, I've seen some massive differences. But you've sort of been consistently involved in it for twenty odd years now. What what do you see as changes in in, in the in the sport? I don't like using the term sport, but the, the life, the the, the, the the pastime or the industry or whatever you want to call it of hunting and archery and bow hunting or whatever. Um, that's a good question. Jeez, you got got me with that one. Um, I've probably been less socially active in it the last 10 years. So most of the hunting I've done in the last five to 10 years has been more opportunities where I can go off and do it on my own. I've done a lot more solo. Um, and, and I haven't been as active on social media with it and stuff as well. Obviously, that was the thing I took a break from. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, you and I, it was pretty full on when we were running those forums. 10 million hits a month, mate. We were, f- like, we were flat out. It was, it was a big site. That was, was I remember we were, what was the website ranking? It's, it's a, I'm trying to remember what it was, but there's a rank of most mm. hits websites. We were in the top hundred websites. Yeah, for, it was huge. Um, which was crazy. Well, so it, that was a lot of Australia, that was, in Australia with the largest bundling website full stop. That was a lot of work. Um, so, in that sense, I guess the change has been more of an internal one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kill a lot less mm-hmm. for me personally. So I can answer it that way for me. A lot of times I'll, you know, still look up on the game and I'll know that I can take the shot and have it done. So. And that's, you know, not, that's just a person, that's just a personal thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of my own journey of figuring out where the connection of life is and everything else. So there's no judgment for me. Yeah. And because I don't know if I'm going to shoot something or not, I get exactly the same buzz out of it mm. as if, if I am. But I think, I don't know, it's like, it's probably more of a question of how life and society changed. Yeah. So I think the traditional values of hunting have maybe got a little bit sparser and things and people get caught up in the trophy and and the bragging rights or the gear and the bragging rights of the gear and showing off mm-hmm. the gear. And there was always an element of that. Yeah. But I find that there's probably more of it now and you've got this thing to show on social media. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some of that. We are talking about this today as well, about the, you know, the, the vibe of the, ju- not so much justification, but the principle behind the worthiness of hunting. Mm. And when we started out, it was very much more the feral species in Australia because that's, you know, in Australia, that's what we're hunting. That's right? what you can hunt with the boat. That's it. That's it's it. a feral species. It, it definitely is, you know, they do create a lot of damage, especially when we have pigs and stuff. Yeah. So, I suppose for quick clarification, you know, people, anyone listening with a rifle hunting background, um, you know, in Australia, legally, you can only hunt and introduce species with a boat. You know, that's everything from literally a, a cane toad to a camel. Um, but you cannot shoot roos. It doesn't matter if you're doing for pest control with tags or not. You can only do it with a firearm. Um, you know, so native animals, full stop, <clears throat> irrespective of the reason or the purpose, are off the off the off limits with a bow. Um, so, you know that from a bow hunting perspective, and you know, like um, back in the day, plenty of bow hunters shot roos, mm-hmm. but that wasn't necessarily the law at the time. Yeah. Um, where it very, very much is now, and um, that justification, like we were talking about, like you're saying, of, of you know, why do you hunt or hunt to help you know control ferals and the native, you know, do, do the right thing by the native animals in our country, in our ecosystems, yeah. And so, there's more of a vibe on you know, harvesting as you talked about. I've definitely seen that as well for like meat wise, you mean, yeah, meat wise, harvesting, yeah. you know, ethical harvesting of meat, etc as being the validation for it. I think both both are reasonable. So long as I think the, the thing is just find your own answer. You've got to you've got to really be looking in the mirror and saying, what am I doing Absolutely. this for? What am I getting out of it? What am I learning? How is this how is this enhancing 
me as a person. Yep. I think that's a real concept to me. You know what? It's really interesting because, you know, um, yeah, as we touched on earlier, we're of similar age and um, our eldest kids are the same. Yeah. But your youngest is how old? 22. Your youngest. Oh, sorry, youngest, 18. Your youngest is 18. So my youngest is five and a half. Yeah. And, and my next one is eight and a half. My eldest is 26. So I've, I've had to have conversations with my two young girls as to, well, daddy, why do you hunt? Yeah. And, you know, like to me. Which I did have to do with my young. Yeah, you know, 20 years ago, that, right? Yeah. You know, um, and, uh, well, she's not 20, but, you know. Yeah, a significant time ago when, again, the things we're talking about were, I guess, predominantly a different, mm. uh, they, they, they held a different weight in the discussion, I suppose you could say. Um, but yeah, when, when your five and a half year old daughter looks at you and go, yeah, but daddy, why are you going to kill a pig? You know, um, and then you have to, you'll have to stop and explain it to them. Whereas like my son, that's all he ever knew. Mm, yeah. Since he, since he was, I was always hunting then, and that was just yeah. I had bows, I had arrows, I was making arrows, I was shooting bows in the backyard at targets, and blah blah blah. blah. You know, Friday afternoon, I'd go off and hunt the creek until dark, and that sort of stuff. And that's all he ever knew. So he never really asked, you know. And even to the point where, you know, I took him on hunts and you know taught him how to shoot a bow and that sort of stuff. And now, when I introduced my girls to it after I sort of like I said I had that break and I came back to the sport. Um, and then was the hunting aspect and they're like, well, why, why are you hunting daddy? What, what do you, what do you mean? You know? And then it was the, well, you know, this meat we're eating for dinner. Think, you know, girls, where has this come from? And blah, 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 blah. And, and they they, re they really are stock take moments, you know, where you have to sort of stop and be. look. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent, all of us, all the time, but people just don't, you know, and I, I liken it to, you know, when I put my hand up to join the Defence Force and looked at myself, literally looked at myself in the mirror and went, will I kill someone if I'm told to? You know, it's the same sort of discussion. Mm. You know, if I want meat, am I prepared to kill an animal to do it rather than just go to Woolies and buy it? Absolutely. You know. Well, that was, that was the main thing for me, getting into hunting. It's like, am I going to eat this meat? Well, I can't do it if mm. I'm not prepared to. And I remember back in, in, oh, it was a little bit after that, but when I was um, uh, working at a certain place uh, at the Gold Coast and used to share a lunchroom with some people and the, the notion of me hunting came up and I was, you know, I was called a murderer and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And Meanwhile, they're eating the ham. Eating ham yeah. eating, literally eating a ham sandwich. Yeah. And I said, well, at least I'm prepared to get my hands dirty to eat my meat. At least I'm honest. About yeah, you look it in the eye and... Yeah, and in some instances, yeah, hundred percent. You right. know, I've shot pigs that have blinked, yeah, and yeah. I've seen their eyelids move before I've actually realised it's a pig. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, it's yeah. it's just about an honesty. Felt yeah. actual empathy. Felt that remorse. Felt yeah. remorse. No, Hunter is not without remorse. Felt the remorse. Yep. being connected to it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it makes you more aware of life, and yep. and so to answer part of your question. I don't think hunting's changed. I think society is obviously changing. Mm. And for me, it's still a very important thing. And if we could get more people experiencing the bush in that way, mm. being honest about these things and going through that experience, you know, I'm not trying to be sexist or whatever, but I think for men in particular, yep. it makes a more honest man. Mm. 
and it has for me most mm. definitely. Yeah. And look, one of the um, awesome podcasts I listen to, um, the, the guy that runs that, he's made a point of saying, you know, it's not necessarily that we we need more hunters; it's that we need more people to understand hunting. Yeah, you know, and not, you know, and that's not obviously it's, we don't need to convert anti-hunters because for the most more for the most part that's never going to happen. But not even converting those people who are on the fence, but just being able to um, verbalize and, and explain and have them understand what we do and why we do it, and then you know not be anti what we do um, is, is is a really massive thing. So, uh, Dave, apart from your experience with you know the um, like you said like controlling of, of and then culling side of things at mm. Gundy. Um, did, did you have any exposure to, um, you know, hunting for meat or anything like that when you were growing up or? No, not really. No, not really. like it was mainly, um, oh, like, so we butcher some of our own stock, but like it yep. was, which picked the cow out of the paddock yep. and drive up to it and you know, drop it and... Uh, Poor old Bessie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so, you know, yeah. Well, that, yeah. So a bit of that, yeah. uh, of course, of yep. that one, and yep. that, but not really hunting for me. But you were still uh, exposed to literally that connection of... Yeah. That yeah. Thing, that yeah. Thing. It's, here's, here it is. Here's the gun. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. go get it done. So it, it's, it's, it's it really interesting you for me, yeah. like, you know, I'm 44 and I've been exposed to boning since, like, before I was born, because of my father's background, um, and like I said, my my son has as well. But as a millennial who's twenty six, how does that sit amongst your social groups? You know, does it come up as discussion? And if it does, like, when has it happened, and what's been the vibe around it for you as a twenty six year old? Yeah, like it definitely doesn't come up as much. Yeah. Like, there's just not this same understanding. I think of like where where it comes from and but what. Let's like say your your it. friends they know you're in firearms yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they do. And, and and does this conversation evolve from that or? Yeah, I think so. Some of them like some people that don't know me particularly well. They like people are very quick to draw conclusions. Like you're just a psycho. You just like, you just count. Like yeah, <laughs> but like you know it's but you know it's I suppose you know grandparents were farmers and dad was a farmer and I so I've grown up you know so you know at grassroots level yeah like I grew up with off the property at, off the yeah land. and yeah. so yeah. you know you got a cattle and sheep property and yeah. and you know so you know feral pests you know destroy that and eat the crop that you're trying to grow to fatten your cows and yep. break fences and all the rest of it and so it was kind of a stock management kind of process that hey it's yep. it might be a little bit distasteful but it's got to be done so yep. we'll get it done yeah um and I think as long as you're not doing it for its own sake, right? You, you understand that it's that it's got to be done, and so we'll do it as best we can. Make sure that we do it the best we can for the animal, mm. but but you're not doing it just just for its own. Like I think it's. You, would you would you find yourself avoiding conversations around? I mean, I guess we all do to a degree. No, I once, once you've tested the room, sort of thing. No, yeah. I know. Like if they want to know, I'll tell them about it. But mm. it's. Um, most people just sort of don't want to know. They don't want to know. They don't want to know. Well, let's face it, we've got 
you know, cultures certainly in the last five years in particular is getting sensitive yeah. about everything. Oh, and it's one um, thing to talk about trimming something, but then you say, what do you mean you you finish it off with a knife? What's mm, wrong with you? Like, mm, it's, you know, well, yeah, like, that's what mm, that's what happens. Yeah. They just can't like, Explaining it. that, you know, yeah. putting it in another arm right. and, and, and stabbing it in the heart is actually the most effective way to dispatch the thing mainly. Yeah, people yeah. don't get it. And then again, when you've had to do it, mm. you, you, are, you know, stuff like that is the most connected to that remorse that you will ever be in your life. Yeah. Ever be in yeah. your life, and, and again, unless you're in the unfortunate situation where defence forces and you have. So to I think I figured out how to answer your question. Without, okay, look out. Here we go. Here we go. Without delving into a whole broader political. Too late. <laughs> um, I think there's more of a trend to focus on surface level feelings. Yeah. You know, what looks good or sounds good or whatever, despite what is real or science-based or yep. or the reality of the situation like killing something. Yep. And so I would say not so much among those who hunt, but in other aspects of society, there is more judgment mm. around than even when we started out to a significant mm. degree. Um and I think we've just, as a society, we've got to be very careful of becoming something else. You know, I personally believe in personal responsibility and being honest and having hard conversations and confronting reality rather than, you know, making mm -hmm. things surface level. So that's the bit that I've seen change around hunting, but more in more around society in general. And do you think, like we talked about, you know, the other day, do you think that people are, or hunters are um, appeasing that more with the I harvest meat than I, than so. I enjoy hunting? You know, if we're, if we're raw, yeah, you know, you, you just said, Dave, like, for the sake of it. Now, now if, we, if we're 100% we're honest, we enjoy hunting. The, yes. killing, the killing is part of the hunt. Sure. The I don't think I expressed hunt. myself particularly well. Oh, no, I'm not saying you didn't. What but what I'm saying is that that isn't, that isn't an unusual response, and I'm not dissing you in any fashion. Oh, no, I understand. I just, so mm. my perspective, so um, with what I, you know, the culling of, of feral pests, you know, you, it's a lot more volume than we'll stalk one pig mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll stalk one deer and we'll shoot one deer. Yeah. It, we, we'll, it, like the volume is a and, lot and more. Look, and and know, so as long as it's not, I just want to kill a lot of stuff. Yeah. If you're doing it just because you want to kill a lot of things, yeah. then I think that's well, why you've, you've, you've got a problem. Then you've got a problem. If you don't have remorse. Yeah. That's right. That's, I think that's what I'm doing. That's psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe, maybe that's, you need to look at some other things. That's maybe what maybe I mean. Maybe talking to someone in therapy. Is, exactly. Yeah, if you're doing it just because you want to go kill a lot of things, then yeah. you're doing it wrong. That's, that, that's that what I mean. 100%. More than just because yeah. I enjoy hunting. Yeah. That's a different thing. And again, if you detail that there's the cow, we are dispatching this cow to then, you know, butcher it for mm. food and consumption. If someone gets their rocks off just shooting a cow in the head, then yeah. they've got an issue. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. But yes, I think there's, there is more of a drive to justify it mm. if it's known that that's what you're doing. Mm. 
And we, we spoke about it, didn't we? Because like, this is the first time we've done in how long? In, in a long time. But that's happening everywhere yeah. in all kinds yeah. of things, you know, justification and stuff and and not and more for how you look rather than yeah. anything meaningful. And you think it's a, it's a, it's almost a justification to help avoid that preparedness to own it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just own it. I enjoy hunting. Mm. I think I think I think at some point again I was trying to avoid getting too political but I think you know where I call us you know the average man in the I'm very average. <laughs> We love our families, you know, we've raised kids, we work hard, we're, we're not perfect, we believe in personal responsibility and looking after people, um, you know, you put an effort in to help your neighbour, you're nice to people, you do all of those things, mm. and at some point I think we all need to say, hey, no, enough's, enough's enough, and let's get back to being realistic about what actually makes life work mm-hmm. and you know there are realities instead of instead of enabling positions that are more based on surface level mm. and hunting is yeah. just another area where you take more of these things away and i'm again i'm talking young men but not necessarily from women as well but you take this experience from men in particular mm. And I would have been a different person oh. if I didn't have yeah. this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you take, and it's just another thing to take away, which then creates more pressure because you're not having outlets, you're not being honest. Yep. There's more enabling around feel good decisions that right. don't actually make you feel good; they make you feel worse, and that's enabling. And to me, the bush and hunting is is a good proxy for that. Mm. And we need to get back to more of that mm. honesty around things as well. And I mean, you know, like this afternoon when you boys may or may not have needed your booty sleep and I went for a walk <laughs> down the creek. I did enjoy my skin. I did a bit more. You didn't get enough. You're still ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I literally, I, I went, you know, four clicks in one direction on my own and, you know, did the responsible thing and left a note, still what I was doing, whatever else. But I've hunted this property on my own and walk those gullies that we walk today with, you know, cane grass over your head yeah. and you're putting one foot in front of the other thinking, what, <laughs> what if, what if, what if, what if. You love those snakes. You know, <laughs> oh, I love those snakes, especially that brown snake gully. <laughs> um, but, you know, like you don't, you know, and that's, you know, like part of me this afternoon was, you know, you guys are snoozing, I'm just going to let you snooze because we had a big walk this morning or whatever else. But at the same time, it's like, I just love being out there on my own. Yeah. You know, oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like, I, know, I love being out there on my own. And, and I love having you guys along for the last three or four days that we've done as well. And and every aspect is an equal part appreciated. But there there is an aspect of it that I as much enjoy being absolutely. alone. Yeah. You know, and as I said, having... most, most of my trips in the last 10 years have been solid. Yeah. And, and that's, it's, it's just, it is as apart from the, you know, you said the technology we drag along with us, it is as, as raw as it gets. Be thinking, and I've hunted out in this country a lot on my own, um, back when I lived here in the, in the early 2000s and stuff. And you know, you've been maybe riding me a little bit, calling me safety, Luke, this last <laughs> week, but 
you know, literally one foot in the other. If mm. if if I roll this ankle, I'm stuffed. Yeah. If I roll this ankle, I'm stuffed. You know. Yeah. Um, and then back, especially back in the day when there was no, <laughs> no mobile phones, you know, like it didn't it didn't exist. Um, but that reality is I'm entirely self-reliant yeah. and, and I still have the same little pouch in my backpack, not the same stuff in it, but the same notion. It's cool. My shit hits the fan pack. Mm. If it goes pear-shaped now, what have I got in here that I can survive a, a night or two yeah. until hopefully I'm found? Yeah. You know, and that does not leave my backpack. Mm. You know, it just, it's there. Um, and that is, you know, if I find a, you know, if I walk around this salt bush here and a pig jumps out and rips me, what am I going to do? Mm. You know, or if there's a brown snake gully, if there's a snake in that grass and it bites me, what am I going to do? You know, it's raw connection. Yeah. Well, as you know, a lot of what I've been doing more recently is um, is chasing fish. Yeah. So getting into the getting into a kayak and and I love kayak freshwater fishing. Yeah, yeah. freshwater kayak camping and fishing and you know finding little river systems and working your way along them and. And, you know, going away for three or four days on my own, yep. I've really, really enjoyed that as well. I found that experience very soon. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah. I've done a lot of that, like, um, in Bundy, where I live now, but in, in some of the rivers and creeks around there too, salt water, you know, and fresh water. I do. But I not do. kayak, and from riverbank yeah. stuff, you know. But the kayaking has been, been amazing. It's opened it's, up a lot of aspects. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I'd love to find some places. I mean, even here, if you... Um, it's a beautiful river. It's a beautiful river. Mm. Um, I bet you early in the morning, like really early, get in the kayak. Mm. Yeah. Because um, one of the things about, you know, hunting and being in a kayak is that the animals don't look into the water. Yeah. <laughs> They're not looking in the direction. And then it's, in, it's a funny, funny parallel. And, and again, I've heard it discussed on other podcasts, hunting... Fishing, fishing is hunting. It is. Yeah. It's a different, it it's a different slight uh, approach, angle, twist, whatever. To the, to the same practice, you know. Mm-hmm. You target species, you target equipment, you know. Your, your strategies, your theories, your your learning of the animal, your, your you know your, your experience with capturing the animal and catch and release or catch and harvest or whatever it is, you know. But funnily enough, one of my favourite things to do, and again because of my father's background, what I was exposed to as a kid, is to get in a canoe and get in the Western River. Yeah. And my brother and I used to do that when we, were, when we were younger. And, you know, brown water, lazy Western Rivers, in amongst the timber, you know, the logs, all that sort of stuff. And, and it was out here, again, in the early 80s when I was brought up. And my brother actually still has the canoe, my, 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 well, my parents' canoe. We normally, we nor- normally, not normally, we nearly bought a, because we're in the process of, hopefully, tomorrow we'll sign the contract on mm. the we looked at a property at um, Cowra, down south on the Lachlan River, and it was right on the river. Wow. And you could literally kayak for the 12 k's to the to the dam. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that would have been magic as well. But I really enjoyed those experiences where I can mix the fishing and the hunting together and yeah. go camping for a few days. Absolutely. So, look, the, the episode is probably getting a bit long in the tooth, but... What we'll do is we'll we'll segue into something that I think I'll incorporate into another episode, Bass. And while we're while we're on a roll, we you know we we are all going home tomorrow, so you're a captured audience. You have brought up the fact that for ten years now you've been a vegetarian, yeah. And it's an interesting notion again in this day and age, the hunt for harvest and that sort of stuff. 
uh, of, of a hunting vegetarian. So, <laughs> so, so we're going to talk around that for a little bit. But firstly, I, I want to know, have you ever been in a situation, be it a, a business meeting or a party or some sort of whatever, out of the blue situation where hunting has come up and you being a vegetarian has come up and, and if that's occurred or how it's come, up, come around? Uh, it has happened a couple of times, and it really freaks people out. It does. Um, like their head spinning on their shoulders, like freaking out. Well, <laughs> well, especially with the average person that doesn't understand being vegetarian and doesn't understand hunting. Yes. And then, mind you. Whereas for, for me, it was just like, yeah, okay, cool, I get it. It, do, it doesn't phase me at all, you know. So for, so for everyone listening, for 10 years, I've hunted, and I haven't actually killed anything for the last 10 years. Um... In fact, there was a period of time where I was doing the trout stuff and I got up and actually shot some deers with, like... With blunts. With a blunt arrow. Yep. With a padded, padded blunt arrow. Nice. Um, and I still, every time, I still don't know if I'm going to shoot something. So... And, and we've had that discussion this week. Yeah. Well, it's the whole thing where you've kind of listened to it throughout the conversation tonight. It's that, that question. Um, and a lot of work I do with people, so... You know, now, now we kind of business coaching, but pers- a lot of personal development. So we work with business owners, and it's not just looking at the numbers; it's looking at how they think, how they feel, and how that's impacting their actions, which drive the numbers. So if we go back, um, just to extrapolate a little bit further, I remember a while back now, probably a decade or so, you took a sort of a slightly different tangent to your business and you focused on your business with regards to and, and what your specialty is, but focused on the ethics and the relationships of your business to build better business for people. Yeah. Therefore, get, bus- be- therefore get a better business. Your business should be a reflection of you. Yes. So helping it become the ultimate reflection of that person. Yep. And helping them become the best person they can be. And look, and, and, and I'm not business savvy at all, but it, when you first started doing that and, and sort of moved out of what you were doing, it was something that I just went, A, Barry's perfect for this, and B, I went, that makes just so much damn sense. Well, you know, it works. You know, our clients, the business outcomes are phenomenal. Yep. You know, people have had businesses for 15 years and you know, all of a sudden they're making four or five times as much money with half as much work. Yeah. But Sorry, we're getting away from you a little bit. No, yeah. but coming back to answer your question or, or to talk about this issue, for me it was I got into bow hunting because of this addressing this question. Yeah. And, you know, there's there'll be a lot of people out there that are vegetarian or vegan or whatever. And I was vegan for quite a few years as well. Yeah, you um, were? You never told me. You can't be vegan. <laughs> <laughs> was. Yeah, Julie and I were No, I know. Um, but it's interesting because it's really helped me. So we were sitting there eating my favourite duck and pop sauce. Oh, yum. And, you know, we were pet ducks. And I caught myself turning off from that. Yeah. And so to me, it's not about... Sure, sure, environment and whatever, but it's not about that. It's about this personal question. Mm. And so I'm not, I don't think I've finished answering the question. We're still on this journey. It's all good. But the benefit that I've got out of that is I'm much more sensitive on my empathetic connection with things and with people. 
And so Dave's got to experience this because he's sat in a lot of my meetings. So I pick things up, I read them, I'm 10 step ahead of what the issue is. You know, most of my conversations with clients at some point will involve some pretty significant personal breakthroughs. Mm. And for me, it's that empathetic connection. And I'm okay to hunt and kill things and eat meat if I choose to, mm. but I feel the empathetic connection very strongly. Yep. And I'm really grateful for having that. And so I don't, you know, there's no, there's no militantness here at all. Mm. I would encourage everyone to, it doesn't matter how you answer it. Mm. It's just that you're aware of it. Yeah, the bit that I don't respect are the people that just speak from their high horse, like you said, in the, in the break room and they're judging you for hunting. That's it. Meanwhile, they're eating their ham sandwich. I don't, I don't respect that. Mm. Absolutely. So. Um, you know, I was pretty sure if we run into a pig in the in the bush there yesterday, I would have uh, I would have shot something, mm. and I probably still will. But even with my fishing, you know, use use semi-barbless hooks and mm. whatever, let them go. Um, so it's an interesting thing. That's my way of answering it. Sure, and I do find some hunters find that particularly diff difficult to understand as well. So. Have you had the situation of like I said, like a like a cocktail yeah, party yeah, or yeah. and and but even like, even some of my hunting mates that found out like yeah, what do you mean you didn't bitch? They didn't even know. It's like yeah, mate. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure because you know we sort of we sort of were, you know kept in touch, but we didn't have a lot to do in our lives with each other over a certain period of years for different reasons, but. Yeah, I'm like, I just was like, yeah, whatever, cool. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely, well, I, I was honest with you the whole time, yeah, as, yeah, to, yeah. as to what my thinking was. Um, but yeah, I've had that at parties and particularly work because I don't keep secrets. If people ask me questions, mm, yeah, I'll tell them. Yeah. So quite often, my clients trying to reconcile this <laughs> Zen business coach that they've got. Because what do you mean you're going out hunting and you've got like. You're like 25, right? <laughs> <laughs> 15 bows. Yeah, the ones for sales. <laughs> and whatever else. So, yeah. But yeah. I don't I don't care about any of that. It doesn't matter to me. People can judge me however they like. I don't, I'm honest about my, about my decisions, as, as honest as I can be, and I'd like to get more honest about them as I go in the future. Absolutely. So if that's the key message that I can leave anyone, and I think for men it's an important one to do. What it, where is your sense of empathy? What's your connection to life? What's your connection to the land? And how do you create your space mm. as a man in and around the family, but also in and around your own mind? Yep. And to me, the bush and hunting mm. has just been such a pivotal part of that. And I'd, you know, mm -hmm. I'd encourage you to experience that. And I'm sure most of the people listening are. And hopefully I'll get to hunt with some of them as well. And, and it's funny, or well, not funny, but it's, it's intriguing for mine because, you know, um, I had a friend who was going to come along this hunt as well. Shout out to Brady, who can't be here, um, who's fairly raw to hunting himself and you know we talked about this the other day where you know Freddie's come in here a few times and, and the nature of this property is such that um you know there's there's plenty of sign we know the pigs are there but 
patterning them is really, really challenging as we've experienced the last few days, you know. Um, And we just, uh, the the times that we have had the opportunity for for Freddie to harvest an animal, um, Murphy's turned up and, and, you know, Mm. been a complete bitch about the whole thing. Um, So it just hasn't quite happened yet. But, you know, he's very new to the sport. Again, I don't like using the term, but very new to the pursuit of hunting. Um, and and it's an interesting aspect to discuss because, um, and again, like we mentioned there yesterday, we're talking about it, um, you know, uh, albeit that I'm younger than you, I've been involved in it for a lot longer and I sort of, I guess, aided you or helped you or whatever, you know, oh, like, into the sport. And yeah, sort of, I've, I've done that where I've had the opportunity with people who've asked questions and been interested or just have wanted to get into it. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take you on a hunt. You, know, you have helped a lot of what questions. Have you, what, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Like, you know, do, do you have any gear? Like, Brady's gear, I, I gave him. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I had, a, a, you know, sort of an oldish bow or whatever. And, and it's like, yeah, dude, use it. I don't mind. Here's some arrows. Like, shoot them, whatever you want. Here's a target. Like, shoot that. Um, and, yeah, again, unfortunately, he wasn't able to, 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 um, to, to be here with us for this, this opportunity. But, you know, segueing across today if you're sitting here doing the same thing yeah. you know as far as hunting is concerned as opposed to i guess shooting for culling mm. so you know um if you were to say today moving forward from what we've done this week and where would you go would, would you reinforce what you've said or would there be anything else you'd add on top of that or no and, and again you're his boss too so you can say what you want <laughs> <laughs> that's it carry more guns but carry them for me yeah that's it <laughs> Um, no, I, th- I think I'd just reinforce all the things I've said, you know, gave me input of, I, you know, when I started, I was much more obsessive with gear and I'd take too much stuff and it'd be too heavy as well and whatever and, mm. and, and all of the things we've already talked about, but I think he's probably fortunate because I've still got a lot, I've got a lot to teach him in terms of business and people and how that functions. Mm. Um, and I hope to get to do that. But, you know, I'm also at a point in my career where I don't need to have lots of clients because I'm really good at what I do. Mm. And so he's pretty fortunate that he'll probably get to get paid to come on a bunch of hunts. <laughs> How good. And, um, Poor Dave. Yeah. You know, when we go fishing and stuff as well, yeah. and every now and then we'll take a Friday off and go fishing. Yeah. So he's... Uh, life balance, eh? Good boss recognises that, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's... It, it definitely makes you think. Like, well, it makes you more motivated to to hook in when the time to hook in is okay. It's, now it's time to work hard. Well, yeah, we'll work hard. Mm. And okay, he's a bit, you know, distracted with his house. That's you know been causing him all kinds of grief. It's like, yeah, cool. I'll pick up the slack. That, that yeah, no worries. Cool. Yeah. Happy days. No, no problem at all. Because there's that flow. Yep. Rather than just. Because it's not just about, okay, yes, I'm getting paid. That's great. But, like, being appreciated is, is important. And you definitely get that when you get these kinds of opportunities. You definitely get the feeling mm. of appreciation, mm. which is which is massive. Sure. Well, I just wanted to create the kind of environment that I think I would have liked to have had. And, That's awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I found someone that I can teach to do what I do. And I'll probably pass on more of the stuff that I've learned hunting-wise from a spot and stalk kind mm. of vibe. Um, he's t- certainly teaching me a lot about firearms, 
No, he's a little bit displayed. So as I said, I'll progress from being the accountant on Bose to the accountant. <laughs> yeah. Just happily learning through osmosis at the moment. Yeah, yeah. make me excited in your 4570 in the right. meantime. <laughs> <laughs> Shoulder still painful. It's still sore. Yeah. And, the, and the other thing is it's good that he's from the country and at the moment he's not settled down. So Because obviously we're moving. So yeah. And we'll be moving a significant distance from Brisbane, whichever property we just get into. Yep. So it's kind of cool that he's going to be able to you know, move as well, uh, which is a nice bonus. So you've had exposure to Barry and Barry's ways and stuff in a more domestic and business uh, perspective. Um, this is this is this is realistically, you know, an employee taking their, you know, we're, we're not in the US. An employee yeah. taking their, sorry, an employer taking their employee hunting is pretty mm. radical. Yeah, it is. So when he turned around, then what a couple of weeks back and went, "Hey, we're going to go hunting, or would you like to come?" What did you think? Oh, I was, yeah, yes, hell yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, right, how can I get my stuff from, you know, where it's stored? Where, where how how am I getting that? Or right, I'll get this, get this, get this. Yeah, like, yeah. but yeah, that no, was an awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm. Just, um, yeah, like I didn't didn't expect that. So did you pick up anything different about me hunting? That's a really good call. Yeah. Ooh. No, no, but no bars. Like you can say whatever you want. <laughs> like, yeah, not... you're still like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> not particularly. But like, there's a, like you've you've always got this sense of like there's an honesty, like, I'm going to tell you my truth, like, no, yeah. whether it's in business, 100%. whether it's in hunting, whatever it is, like, that's it just take it or leave it, that's what Right, right, that's how it is. Yeah. And so, there's not really that much, to, he's more mellow here. Um, <laughs> like, like, was, that's that the, was that the realm? <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. But, like, like, that's, yeah, like, yeah, that's a thing. But yeah, as far yeah. as his disposition, I wouldn't say it's particularly different. No. no. Not that I no. no, I haven't been out for a while, and we've had the house stuff has been pretty stressful. It's taken away a lot of rest of it, and we rent, you know, spent. We we decided we'd make this change, and then we renovated it for six months. It was only supposed to take three, and you know, we thought it would sell in three months, and it's taken a year and three months. Um, but it's all coming together. Yeah. So. So I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot more. Especially since mm. that recliner that you're rocking back in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and maybe one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. my other last bit of gear. Yeah, recliner. Luxury camp. Luxury camp chair. It's freaking awesome. The only thing it's missing is a, uh, a cup holder. Oh, yeah, right? it doesn't have a cup holder. It doesn't have a cup holder. It does. It's just in the bag. Oh, is it? Yeah. I was going to say it does. It's sitting on the other side of the table talking about <laughs> <laughs> No, that was awesome. And Luke, thanks. thanks yes, again thank you for for your generosity and also inviting us on oh, to this one. Um, and not just on my own behalf, because you were generous to me in bringing a new person into to the sport. Oh, I don't know if you'll come back yet. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you so much. I'll just, I'll just, I've known you a long time as well, so I just ignore those barbs. Um, <laughs> But likewise, you have been generous with a lot of people and it's made a big difference to the community over the years mm -hmm. I've seen it. Um, and I think we just all need to make sure that we find ways to, to, give, to give back. Yeah. Um, and I'm just very appreciative for it as well. No, so it's my you. pleasure, boys. It's, I don't know, something I've always done, I suppose. Mm. You know, if we all pitch in and help each other, 
especially it's it's been funny and again you know like we go back to you know back in the day like we're trying to piece it together today 2004 we met through the forums pre-social media and i kicked them off in the early 2000s and it just it was 2003 and we went there first time 2004 that's right um but there just wasn't anything else like it you know and when I got into sports sort of full on as a young fellow when I was at, at uni and sort of moved out of home and stuff and you know had my exposure to archery and hunting and that when I was a kid but as as an independent person and I just wanted to I just had this thirst for learning and I couldn't find the information on the new internet as it was then that I wanted to find so I was like well I'm going to start my own my own website so the whole the whole process was was a very steep learning curve and it's funny, I started learning how to use Photoshop to design a website and how it looked before I even used it to edit photos, which is pretty ridiculous when you consider it. But, you know, that that aspect of it and and then moving on from there was like, okay, well, if I'm putting this, this thing together because I want to be able to learn from other people, how can then I forward on and, and share what I learned myself? You know, and, and if I have the opportunity, like uh, uh, instances today and when we've been walking through the scrub, it's just like, well, see this here and see that there or mm. take note of that or whatever or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, it just all, it all goes back to the fact that at some point we all learn from someone else, yeah, that's it. you know, and, you know, I've learned a lot from the, the, the countless times I hunted with Adam over the years and, um, and even, you know, yourself, because it, your approach to what we do is different to my approach to what we do. And your eyes see something different to mine. And now 20 years on, since we first met, you've got hunts under your belt that I was never part of. And you learned things doing that, that I didn't, but I find it in places where you have it. Yeah, so I've learned things that you haven't. So it's this co-sharing thing. Absolutely. And be it a, a, a newbie like Dave or, or Bree or, or, or an experienced hunter like yourself. You know, it it just doesn't matter. It's still like you said. You go on every hunt. You learn something. You mm -hmm. learn something. And even if it's just picking up on a sign or picking up on a a marker, an indicator, or, or just something that you know maybe your eyes weren't tuned to, or maybe you hadn't taken the time to pause and, um, you know, like um, what's the word? Change change your frame of looking. For example, it's like that 10 minutes when I started doing maths numbers in my head because I was distracted. Um, you pointed out all the stuff I hadn't seen, mm -hmm. and it was just a reminder like, because if you're actually hunting, you've got to be in the moment, yeah, otherwise, mm -hmm. you miss everything. That's right, which is <clears throat> one of the best parts about it. Yeah, um, just, just on that topic, you, you did restart the forums, um, so people are listening in, and I think. You know, I think there's that's another place that you can kind of speak. What's what's the address for that? Uh, AussieBowHunters.AussieBowHunters with an S dot com or uh, BowHuntersForum, BowHunters-Forum.com. Yeah. Um, so that'll take you to the forum, to the bowhunting forums. Um, we, we welcome all, but we, we don't at this stage uh, really do the firearm thing. No. Predominantly because... It just comes with a whole well, two separate, yeah. two separate yeah. sets of things. They are like hunt, hunting's hunting, irrespective. Um, but you know, like I might, you know, touch on it before. But my father was a bow hunter before I was even born, so I don't really have a chance of not being a bow hunter. But 
there's a whole lot of difficulty, I suppose you could say, with firearms and discussions about firearms and yeah, all sorts of stuff around firearms in this um, current environment. That um, at this this stage of the game, we're not delving into. By the same token, if you want to talk hunting and locations and spot and stalk and whatever, that's that could be a reasonable place to have a chat. And, and the biggest aspect is and. and you know, we talk again, talked about the other day where you're there with like-minded people and don't have the censorship of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep a respectful environment and we maintain a uh, an environment where we um, what's that looking for, Baz? We don't. We, we want to make sure that the... You can't come there and be a dickhead. You can't be a dickhead. We, we, we want this, the, the past time to be painted in a good light. And we mm. always, have, always have, you know, and in one form or another, form or another the, the websites and the forums that have existed since the early 2000s. So congruently, they've been running a hell of a long time. Um, and through various formats and various reasons, you know, we've, we've sort of reintegrated them and restarted them. Um, but forever and a day, it's been about what's what's our what's the mantra been? It's been to foster participation in bow hunting, yeah. to promote um, and, and educate bow hunters, and to protect the right to hunt. Mm. So, you know, you do all the right things, you tick all the right boxes, and you don't be a dickhead. Yeah. And you know, it's a great place. There's, there's heaps of people that want to help. There's heaps of people with advice, and that's everything from camping to full driving to to hunting, to whatever it is, to photography, to videography, to the whole works and jerks. Um, it's a really, really great environment. Um, and yeah, it's just ticking along nicely. We've been up again 18 months or so. Actually, just over 12 months because the license, not the licensing, the registration. the registration stuff came around the other day and I, and I paid it up again to make sure it was all kosher. So <laughs> that reminded me it's been 12 months. But yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope to chat to some of them there. Um, Otherwise, thanks. aside from that, you can find us because this is the, the the first episode. This is the first discussion we've had as far as the hunting republic is concerned. So we'll be at thehuntingrepublic.com.au uh, and we're the hunting republic um, on Instagram and on Facebook. So you can find us there as well. Um, and sing out, ask any questions. Uh, moving forward, we'd love suggestions of content uh, topic ideas and stuff like that um, business questions can be directed to Barry <laughs> and firearm questions can be directed to the accountant <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah any, anything else like that then uh, I'm sure I can find someone to answer questions so I don't have to <laughs> no worries uh, any closing comments Dave any closing comments Barry if you've sort of said no, that if, you, no, if you've listened in then if you listen this far holy crap if you listened in then you're obviously our kind of people so happy to reach out and say g'day for sure thanks everyone alright cheers boys well there we go episode one in the bank I hope you really enjoyed our conversation uh, I hope you got an insight into well, the passion that we have for what it is that we do and I hope that uh, I hope that you tune in in future for future episodes. So hit that like button, hit the subscribe and the follow, uh, share it with your mates, and uh, keep your ears, keep your eyes peeled, keep your ears open for 
when we drop the next episode of the Hunting Republic podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please feel free to get in touch if you have any questions or comments. We'd love to hear from everybody and uh, we can't wait to, uh, to talk to you again. Thanks for tuning in to the Hunting Republic podcast. Catch you later.